Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, February 28th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Apologize about the delay to start there. I was actually going to play an opening clip and I decided not to because I didn't want to make you wait any longer. Some random YouTube video started playing on some other video channel tab and it took me like two minutes to find it. I apologize for the delay. Very important show, as always, to get into today. It's it's actually kind of frustrating how, in in many ways, we and it, to get ahead of myself here, in plenty of ways, we're not necessarily ahead of the curve. But as you know, there's plenty of times we've been ahead of the curve on certain topics. One of them, in at least in the context of how this has now flooded the mainstream, is the white supremacist nature of the Ukrainian government. And we're going to get into this: the military specifically, and the government that it's immersed with, intertwined with and show you all this stuff and how now because Putin came out and said what we said before was happening that these are terrible bad people that are openly white supremacists the US government's been arming and funding and protecting and sounds awfully like what happened in Syria isn't it we'll get into that as well that the new Syria part of this is also something i think we were spot on about but we're going to get into what they really are not what we some of which we showed you already but to show you more in depth about what we're talking about more deep background about what, what who what these people are where they've been driven to and how they've been driven there and who was doing the pushing and you know all this you've watched before but we're going to talk about specifically that as well as to start today accusations that are being leveled at Ukraine that I'm going to back up what you as always you know, to preface this everything we're going to talk about today if you were out there right now taking one side or the other at face value, with no questions, and only viewing one of them through a lens of skepticism, then you're deluding yourself. Just because you're told that Putin is this and he's done that could be true, certainly. But don't we also know certainly from all sides of the paradigm right now that the government lies to us in some cases, usually always really, but you know, from the paradigm side, but sometimes when it's about that topic, they lie, but this one, they're always honest. Whatever, we know they lie to us about stuff. It happens, whether it's for good reasons or not. So why in this context are we deciding to just take what they say at face value? Because it's a game. Because this is politics. This is the football game of politics. And people are choosing their side and they're invested in that side. And, oh, he made it in. That's, we've talked about this before. Because at the end of the day, you have to realize that just because you are cons- convinced you know what one side or the other has done, and I, I'm the same way in regard to what I'm very clearly convinced I know what this government's capable of, but at the same time, also very convinced of what Russia's government is also capable of, because I'm aware of what all these governments are and how dangerous they all are. They just leave that part out when they frame me as a Russian shill. The reality, though, is that this is basically taking one-sided face value with no evidence. That's the real point here. We have narrative coming from intelligence agencies, from the Ukraine intelligence agency, from the Russian intelligence agency, from the United States, and we just take at face value what they say. And that should not be what's happening today. Making sure. Okay, it looks like we are definitely live. Someone's just saying something really quickly. Wanted to make sure we weren't missing it. Okay, good. Just want to double check. Now. The reason I say this, obviously, is because it's frustrating for somebody like myself to stand back and watch how people will jump to when the mainstream media reports something. When this stuff comes out on mainstream media or independent media, the first thought you should have is, okay, could be true. Why you are ever watching mainstream media or independent media and listening and going, whoa, that's, that's true. That's interesting. Ever is crazy to me. Ever. 
you should be going, okay, that's interesting. It could be true. Here's how it connects with my previous understanding. Here's how it connects with what I think I know. Now it's time to make sure I do my due diligence to make sure it's true. And maybe you don't find out. And then you have to be okay walking away going, I don't know for sure. They've driven in this reality today. COVID threw it into just overdrive. But now where people are taking such partisan sides and such aggressive stances just based on what they think they're supposed to believe, two-party paradigm on steroids. Now, we're going to get into the foreign, foreign policy topic of Ukraine and Russia, and we have to understand that just because taking a stance that says that what the U.S. government is saying might be wrong or is wrong does not mean that you're pro-Russia, does not mean that you're then siding with Russia, does not mean that you then believe what the Russian government said in counterbalance to that. You know, it's this is what I get frustrated about is this is basic stuff we're having to explain today. You guys all know this. That's why you're here. But we're going to go through a lot of this and explain to you why 100% the U.S. government's lying to you, why 100% the Ukrainian government is lying to you, and why the Russian government could be lying to you. And the reason I say it like that in the context of how we're discussing this is because I don't see proof or evidence that they are making certain things up or lying about this or that. I'll get into other parts of it where I think he's being advantageous, taking advantage of situations. But on the other side of this, we can prove these things, not have evidence for, prove them. And the reason, if you walk away thinking after what I just said that I'm pro-Russia, that's ridiculous to me because we're talking about things that we can prove and evidence we can put forward and you're choosing to take at face value what people that have been lying to you about COVID and everything else for God knows how long have been doing so nonstop. I just find it to be incredible. But that was my grasping hope to reach that person out there that might be on the fence those of you here, you know you're objective and you're ready to question all of this stuff. Before we go into COVID, or excuse me, to Ukraine, I'm not going to be talking about COVID-19 today. But I wanted to give you, just for those that might have missed some of the last couple things we talked about, which were big stuff because of all of the chaos of Ukraine and Russia and the bluster and hype. And, you know, and look, there's real world actions taking, being taken, just like we told you there might end up being, even though this is hype, just sort of like COVID-19. Most of this was illusion and psyop doesn't mean there wasn't something actually happening, whether they drove it into action or not. There's real world action taking happening right now. But nonetheless, it is a distraction and it is a manipulation in so many different ways. And we'll go into all of that. But in case you missed this, before we get into Ukraine, for those that might not have seen it, there's been a huge study that found that SARS-CoV-2 contains a sequence patented by Moderna in 2017. And this is a 100% match for this sequence. Now, here's the study. And you'll find the study, oh, they say, is a blast search for the 12 nucleotide nucleotide insertion led to a 100% reverse match in a propriety sequence found in U.S. patent, this number filed on February 6, 2016, which you'll find is a Moderna patent. It's very clear. Now, I'm not going to go over it all again. I want to include this. Here's the show I covered in, so please watch this. Very, it's also a huge important end of the show, the second half about digital IDs, implantables, and where it's already going. But the main point is that's a big deal. And I'm amazed that I don't see many people talking about this. But the important discussion is that is a match. But of course, they go on to say that it could, certainly could have happened organically, but it would be an, a ridiculous, like one in a million, even further than that, actually, type chance that that would happen. So if this isn't being discussed. That's a huge reality that they don't want to look at it, right? I mean, it's obvious. This is a peer-reviewed study. Find something very important. And if you're just told to think, well, we're not supposed to think that, so therefore don't look at this study, then you must be you have to think about that. That shows you something. You're choosing, just like with Ukraine and Russia, to dismiss something because you've been told that's not what you're supposed to think or because this is what expert told you. And none of that is evidence. That's just statement and narrative. But this is a big deal. I'll come back to this at some point. I'm sure there's the fact check out there that I didn't see. 
important stuff. Now, one other thing you might not have seen is that the CDC is now withholding information from you because they think you're too dumb to understand it. Really what it means is they know that we're beginning to see what's really going on, in my opinion, and they're actively keeping that from your view. Take it for what you want. Either way, they're they're not letting you see the data. I don't know that how that's transparent or just or truth or any of that. But over onto the last other topic before we go into uh, Ukraine for the other show we just did, I want to make sure you notice this also touched on Ukraine in the show, but the discussion of the self-spreading vaccine that's been dismissed as absolute ridiculous fake news despite being openly discussed, theorized, planned out by Johns Hopkins in regard to humans specifically in the context of COVID-19 or many other studies that have planned this out while being called fake news on Twitter over the last over many years. This is literally what they're talking about, guys. And this is the kind of stuff that we should be concerned about. Jesus is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine. Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Well, real quick, just a quick tidbit of what we went over in depth the other day. Here is a 2019 meeting breakdown from the United Nations Geneva Sustainable Goals Development. And guess what? Right in this document, it says in the plan was going viral, deliberately releasing GM viruses into the environment, or rather just the discussion of it. That's where the animation comes from. You can see it for yourself. Okay. Here is the Geneva disarmament platform discussing deliberately releasing GM viruses in the environment. Guess what? That was 2019. Isn't that strange? Could be, could just be coincidence. Could be, certainly. And that you should be honestly asking that because that's an honest person. That's what an honest person would do. But it's amazing that this is happening or is even the, even the discussions. And yet it's called fake news, right? This is also something from 2001 from the German government Protection Against Infection Act that you've all seen if you watch this show back in 2001 that literally discusses vaccines may be used if they just deem it necessary for law and safety, which could contain microorganisms, which could be excreted by the vaccinated person and ingested by other people. Literally in the law of Germany, but it's fake news on Twitter right now. That's the world we live in. Think about that in the context of Ukraine and Russia. Now here, last point. It's just a totally fake news story being jammed in your face now because Ukraine, Russia, but we're going to quietly strip out what we already said was fake news 30 seconds ago. The vaccine that spreads immunity by passing itself like a virus. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Fake news until they're literally saying where it's our next step. This is what we need to think about. It's not just COVID-19, guys. It just put a spotlight on it. We are aggressively propagandized and socially engineered using politics, using the, par- the two-party paradigm in the United States. Now, on that note, let's jump into the Ukraine discussion. And this is a really important topic because of the way this is spinning out and the way I see it already being used. Whether that even ends up conflating back with the with the COVID narrative or we officially shot that down, I don't think that's what's happening. We definitely should mark that in the win, though. That's a win category, you guys. We need to take a step back and realize how far we just came and how instantaneously on a dime, they just turn everything back and go, okay, now we're good. Oh, did we reach herd immunity? No, no, no. Did we, did we say did the vaccines were not really vaccines half and half? Okay. Well, then why did we stop? Didn't you say it? Well, because we're, we did it and we're good. Mission accomplished. Okay. Yeah. No, the reality is guys, you won and you pushed back and they did and their narrative dissolved in front of them. And, and at the end of the day, this could be a distraction. It could be the next step. Bottom line is they got some of what they wanted. They got the infrastructure. They got everything in place. So this whole Ukraine, Russia spinoff, I don't mean to suggest that it's necessarily, that, that's the wrong word for it. This, this spin, this rise in the narrative is very clearly driving in what they've already been using around foreign policy, right? We'll get into the, the new Syria of this and the new 
war on terror threat of the white supremacist. And that's where that crosses back over with the white supremacist domestic threat terror here in the U.S. and, the, and their anti-vaxxers in there. And you can all see how that all warps into it, itself. But we can see that this is building into the next step. The infrastructure, the masks, everything, the, the, the great reset, digital ID, all of this stuff can all be rationalized and justified using the situation, whether it's biological weapon attacks, whether it's chemical weapon attacks, whether it's anything, whether it's just the threat of something, big storm, suddenly a lockdown, put your masks on. It's already happening. In fact, I'm just realizing right now that I had something that somebody sent me in regard to something just like that, where Biden, I'll quickly see if I might be able to grab it, where Biden basically says that masks should be used for some certain reason. I'll, I'll come back. Yeah, here it is right here. I'm glad I found it because it's going to bother me if I couldn't. And this, I promise, will be the last <laughs> COVID boy before we keep going. Not, not, I'll, I'll definitely be showing crossover here and there because that's important to see. But Biden administration instructs Americans to social distance and wear masks in the event of nuclear fallout. This isn't a joke, guys. If you, and I, I'm glad I made this point early because I was just connecting that for you right there, but I'm going to put this at the end next to the nuclear part we're going to get into. But think of this is not an accident. This is your crossover. They're going to make this agenda is being jammed in from whatever's happening. Doesn't mean there's not multifaceted and different agendas driving for different goals, but the larger main thing is clearly still going. Clearly. All of this leads into the same infrastructure for the Great Reset, and that's the same point. Which, by the way, I'll say again when we get there, is exactly why I don't think the nuclear war is even possible right now. And I only say that because, and it's not because there's not real action being taken, because Trump, or excuse me, <laughs> Biden or Trump, and Putin, or let's just say Russia and the United States, are all clearly invested in the Great Reset. What's, what is the one thing that nuclear war will hinder very clearly? I shouldn't say the one thing, but obviously the Great Reset. So let's not pretend like they're going to blow up in the nuclear war and just and put a huge stick in the spokes of the massive decades-long agenda that they're all a part of. You know, just keep that in mind. I could be wrong, of course. Let me move this over here real quick. I believe that's the right spot. Sorry, guys. I want to make sure I included that. Let's see. Yes. There we are. Okay. Now, I'm going to start with Robert's article. Because he did a really great job on this article. And it's, and it's really important to see just, you know, this kind of gives us a good starting point before we go through the white phosphorus, the human shields and the classic times the many times the U.S. government's been openly called out by the Western press that's now calling them the opposite of using those things in the past or giving them to their so-called allies of the past. Right. But let's not pretend they wouldn't do it with Ukraine now because that's fake news because Russia bad guy. Right. Now, as is at this point, Russia's special, and just so we're clear, whenever you, government bad guy is my stance, just so you don't think there's some kind of quiet counterbalance to that statement. At this point, Russia's special military, military operation, which by the way, is, there, is his discussion of going after and denazifying the area, which we'll get into. That's the important part of this. <laughs> All over the place. Sorry. I, oh, I know what I did. That's right. I forgot I mixed this stuff up. Finally, no, son of a gun. 
Apologies, guys. There it is. Okay. So the point is that this has been his statement since the 25th. To go in to protect people and to denazify Ukraine. Now, of course, he could be lying, but we'll definitely prove to you that it's definitely white supremacist and that the people of the Donbass region are very clearly being hurt. But that doesn't then inherently mean that there's not the same things happening to the Ukrainian side. You see how that works? But we will show you very clearly that this is the, the, the lies of the Western press. That's what we're trying to break down here today. Now, if the Western press is talking about how Russia is doing this or that in Ukraine, prove it. And I don't mean to imply that it means it's not true. I just, I'm not going to take something at face value from a government press that's been lying over and over. And I won't do the same from TASS News Agency or South Front or anybody else. Anybody, we should be doing our due diligence. Now, the point is, this is what he's stating. Here's my narrative. Now, what's interesting is you don't get that in the Western press until just recently when they start to try to break down how he's a racist because he's calling them Nazis because Zelensky is Jewish, which is just insultingly ridiculous when you break down how that doesn't even mean anything unless you use the word Nazi. That's also part of this. The, the weird, the interesting choice, and I use neo-Nazi for a reason in the title today, of Putin to say Nazi instead of just white supremacist, or even neo-Nazi for that matter, to use Nazi. Because Nazi is very specific, and it brings up very specific meanings in, in, in historical context. Now, if you call Zelensky a Nazi, and you say, well, he can't be a Nazi because he's a Jew. There you go. End of story. But wait a minute. Can't you also, can you not be a Jewish person and still be racist? Can you be a Jewish person and still be white supremacist? Can you be a Jewish person? Yes, to all of that. So it's really stupid to pretend you could be any race and be all of those things. So to pretend that it's only Nazi and Jewish, they don't equate that's the game here. That's what I think, anyway. Now, the special military operation was about going in to remove those things and protect the Donbass people. And it's clearly translated into full-scale military takeover of Ukraine from the Donbass step. Now, the argument clearly is that this is being driven because it has to be, because this is a bad person and a bad government, and these are bad people being driven by a bad government, and they're doing bad things around the world, right? That's the narrative. Take it, take it for what you will. That's Russia's narrative. But you don't get any of that in the Western press, even though we know, as a matter of fact, that the Western government we're discussing has literally done some of the worst things in history. If you don't understand that, you're still a child lost in the two-party paradigm, only playing the football game of politics, because it's very, very clear. Your own media would talk about it outside of this discussion, right? Moments ago, it was okay to point at it, but now you can't. Shh, quiet. Sort of like you weren't allowed to talk about Iraq stuff or how, you know, people like Halliburton and different groups were profiting from terrible things while it was going on, called us a, a, a Saddam apologist while it was going on. But then the moment it was over and we were focused on some other story, well, all these brave journalists in the Western press came out and called them out for what they did. Nonsense. Now, the, this is translated into more action. We've seen that. We've seen things going forward, and there's a lot of fog of war reporting going on. That's why I'm staying, really staying away from the cutting, you know, this moment, that moment, breaking news, because why would we take any of it at face value from either side? That's the game. You see, one side chooses one, the other, they just report back at each other. No, no, he did that. No, it was him. They use white phosphorus. No, they use white phosphorus. That's how this goes. Now, it says NATO powers have made clear their intention to stay out of the direct combat against Russia. Now, does that mean it's going to happen? Of course not. 
Now, first of all, what does it mean by staying out of direct direct combat? Well, that would imply boots on the ground of like full-scale direct invasion, but that's not always what that means, right? Because they can use contractors. They can use guerrilla warfare. They can secretly go in with the CIA and not even say that they're there, right? This happens almost every time. And historically speaking, we can look back and see that. So it's almost a foregone conclusion. And by the way, see, I, I always do this. It is already happening. And I've already proven this to you many times. We're going to get into a couple of good clips today. I'm already all over the place with where I line this stuff up. So here are the U.S. troops inside of Ukraine. This was February 15th, 2022. And the point is, guys, you can see them. They're openly here discussing. Now, these are the Georgia National Legion. And these are people I've already shown you that worked alongside the other battalions, including Craig Lang himself, who's the big war criminal the U.S. government's trying to stop. So the point is they're all immersed with the white supremacist mentality and the same people, but these are U.S. troops on the ground here. U.S. Army Afghanistan war veteran. These are Americans there. Now you can claim they're there because they just chose to go on their own accord, but realize there's multiple U.S. personnel here who are training these people. There's two uh, two in this video at the very least. I don't want to take, take time to find it. I'll come back to this. But... In February 15, 2022, there were already Americans on the ground training civilians alongside the white supremacist government right there. You know, so it's just kind of silly for them to pretend that's not already happening. But it goes on to say NATO powers have made clear their intentions to stay out of Russia and relying on heavy sanctions in order to pressure Moscow to end its offensive. For the many claiming this conflict will result in a third world war, it's extremely unlikely. And I agree with that. Perhaps the worst case scenario here would be that following Russia's inevitable victory over the Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian armed forces. Man, it looks like a bunch of stuff's not working for me today. Oh, I see why. That was my fault on Rockfan. Apologize, guys. Do this too. There we go. Now it says that the 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 even when their victory over Ukraine comes, the NATO alliance would finance and arm Ukrainian militias to wage guerrilla warfare against the Russian forces. Right? What does that sound like to you? Right. So let's say you, Russia pushes in and eff- effectively takes control over large portions, if, if not the entire country of Ukraine. Right. And then the West, the U.S. government predominantly carries out insurgency warfare. That's exactly what happened in Syria. It is not. Did, I mean, do you not do you guys not remember? We literally said this is exactly what it seemed like was building. And what will that do? Well, it creates another Cold War standoff guerrilla warfare situation where Russia and the U.S. aren't fighting. This is my point about how kinetic war in the real sense of world war is no longer even on the table, guys. That's my opinion. Doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means that they all are generally aware that it's costly and wasteful and it's meaningless. Throw a bunch of these guerrillas at each other. Use Ukraine, throw it against Russia. Russia can use these and throw it against the other way. That, that's the argument of how that would work. Right. So now that's assuming you don't think one side or the other is generally doing what they say they're doing. And that's a valid point to ask. Could Russia be honestly telling you they're fighting for the Donbass people and support? Yes. You should question it. Could the U.S. genuinely be fighting for the freedom of Ukraine? Sure, it's possible. But you should be looking at their history and questioning it. So when you see them discussing this as the new Syria situation, where they're going to basically end up fighting each other using proxy wars, well, and we've already even done entire shows on this. The, the future of war is proxy war. That's what this is. So they don't they pretend like they're not there. They can throw out all kinds of accusations. It's not direct attacks on their people. It's, it gets convoluted and it just becomes a muddy, mud, a disgusting mud war where just nothing and, and atrocities carry. You know, and the point, guess who takes the brunt of it? The civilians, the people on both sides. 
not the Russian government, not the U.S. government, but the people of Ukraine and the people in the Donbass region. That's what happens. What, regardless of whether one side or the other was actually trying to do right by one of them. The point is that this is where this goes. And you can see from my perspective as an American reporting from the West that the U.S. government has done this over and over, lied about it over and over and on and on. Russia has an equal history of lying and deceiving and so on. But we're talking about it from a Western lens right now as an American talking about how my country is not the one standing up for freedom. Excuse me, my government or the government of my country. The motivation behind NATO using this tactic in Ukraine, that's exactly like with Russia, would be to bog down the Russians in exact and basically exact great costs from the militarily and economically. And that we can see the sanctions coming right now. So this means they're using the people and the, of Ukraine and everywhere else to hurt Russia and the government and their agenda, which does, which means it has nothing to do with freedom or independence, which, by the way, is kind of ridiculous, seeing as how they'll back independence literally anywhere except when it doesn't go along with their agenda. What is important to know here is that to view the situation blindly as the madman Putin or like, you know, the, the maniac Assad or however they try to frame it, going against their own interests because they're just crazy, that the madman Putin invading Ukraine for absolutely no reason other than just to annex the entire country and reform the Soviet Union is a politically immature reading of the situation. It is naive. It is blind to what's always been happening, especially since post-Soviet Union. It's just dumb to pretend that's what's actually happening. Now, is there obvious benefit to taking control of Ukraine? Of course there is. There's resources and control and, and just strategic strategic control. But at the end of the day, this is obviously blown up into a huge geostrategic problem for Russia, especially when they're trying to frame themselves as not being what the U.S. government is, whether or not that's true. Because I've been saying that for a while. Putin is very good at this. He's politically better at this than they are, even if you think he's the biggest villain in history. He's clearly recognized that being the good person and doing right by the people in the situation like Syria is, in contrast to what the U.S. government is presenting themselves as, is hugely advantageous for him politically, especially if he doesn't even believe it. But there's plenty of people that would argue he does believe it. Plenty of people that I actually listen to that I believe are very honest journalists. Regardless, it should be your opinion to think for yourself. And if it comes down to where you can prove a lot on one side and you can't prove a lot on the other, but you have a big media screaming that one guy on that side is really bad, trust me, you should at least question that. The situation truly dates back to 2013, which you know because you watch this show, when the Ukrainian president, then at the time, Yanukovych, decided to sign a deal with Russia, bringing Kiev closer to Moscow's sphere of influence. And that's what did it. Can't have that. Can't have the country leaning further into Russia. We have to do something about that. This sparked massive anti-government protests, which, by the way, you weirdly see every time the U.S. government doesn't like what's happening in a country. In February of 2014, which you know, the NATO then backed a color revolution, resulting in a coup and the, re the installation of a pro-Western government in Ukraine. Fact verifiable, 100%. Now, the reality here, especially with the Maiden Square in general, that we can even show, as even the Ukrainian intelligence came out and said, that these were U.S. mercenaries that were shooting these civilians. People died a lot. Now, whether or not from there forward it became this bastion of freedom, the reality is that this is a bad, this is bad people doing terrible things for their own agendas and framing it as fighting for freedom. Despite assurances from NATO to Russia in the past that it would not attempt to expand its alliance further onto its borders, the U.S.-led alliance has been doing just that since the early 2000s. Now, we've talked about this as well. In this article, I'll come back to, 
talked about NATO expansion. And in here, by the way, guys, this right here, that's an archive. A, a literal, legitimate archive version of their agreement, which says that they were agreed that they would not go past Germany. And this is very clearly provable and understandable, and yet they pretend it's just not true today. You just misunderstand it, sort of like COVID. You're too dumb to understand what it clearly states in plain text. But you, the Ukraine regime change we talk about here as well, and that also involves the Crimea, Crimea, excuse me, Crimea discussion. Now it says, despite the assurances they move past the area, in Putin's address, recently declaring his recognition of the Luhansk and, and Donetsk regions, he noted NATO's encroachment and and potential security threats, also undermining Ukraine as an independent country, right? So think about this from the context of what the U.S. government is always saying, just just for a moment, especially if you're out there thinking we're pro-Russian, shield, whatever. Just play along for a minute and put down your perceptions. Now, regard you have two entities, right? Polit- apolitical, you have nothing, you know nothing about any of them, right? On this one side, you have them going around the world and talking about how they're liberating everybody and destroying lots of countries. That's very clear history. Regardless of what you think they tried to do, Libya, Afghanistan, all these places are absolutely destroyed. That's just clear fact, regardless of intention. And of course, they always argue. Where was I here? I was just reading my point again. Right. Okay. So they always argue that these are people they need to protect and that they're security threats, right? Whatever. Iraq, whatever else. They push in, they cause chaos, always under the guise of freedom. And they're doing it for the right reasons and fighting for freedom. And a lot of people die and a lot of things happen. And then you look back and the countries never got back on their feet. They're still destroyed to this day and so on, right? They were always screaming about how they were security threats and how they were undermining the sovereignty of these locations and the bad guys over there in this way. And they did it anyway, right? And we all scream freedom. The media screams freedom. We all scroll. Well, they tried to do the right thing. If we ever even talk about how it was destroyed and it didn't work out, then you've got this other entity over here. It's not doing that. You can't, there's no indication of that at all. Now they step up and they point to this situation and they say, look, these people are this in the same situation. They're security threats. Their independence is being undermined, right? All of that you can prove, by the way, but you, you could argue they're security threats on the other side too. But why would you take one at face value and not the other, especially when the first one is a group that's been failing at that for t- decades. You see what I'm saying? Why would you not ask whether or not there is a security threat or whether or not these people are being hurt as plenty of people have proven? And I'll get into some documentation on the ground. That's all I'm asking. Why wouldn't you ask the question? It's incredible. Now it says in Ukraine, one in six are roughly ethnic Russians and one in three speak Russia, Russian as a native language. In the east of Ukraine especially is where the majority of ethnic Russians live. Now, as I understand it, the Donbass region and Crimea were the, the, the largely Russian-speaking areas, which is why it's very obvious that they were leaning towards Russia. The fact that so much of Ukraine is Russian is why, for instance, Crimea did not resist Russian annexation and voted overwhelmingly in favor of joining Russia. Easy to prove, and they just run from that because they can't argue anything else. Someone's saying, by the way, that there's a lot of trolls in the chat. I, I don't, that surprised me at all. First of all, I don't even care about YouTube. YouTube is overwhelmed, overrun by their nonsense. But right now, anybody taking an objective stance about this and not calling, let's say, Putin Nazi and defending the Jewish Zelensky is going to be overwhelmed in the chat about how we're all Nazis and we all fight for Nazism. That's how they play this game. Just delete the bots. Get them out of the way. I don't even care about this anymore. The, 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 but this is the point about how it happens in these chats. They try to represent your chat. They jam people in there to make it look like, in no way is anybody in this show taking a stance. As you guys all know, 
It's just objective and they can't stand that. And especially when you do it from a nonpartisan standpoint, right? I'm being objective and I, and I point at both sides. And that's why, that's why we end up in the, you know, that's why I always point to someone like James Corbett, who has just been knocking his work out of the park for a decade or decades, forever. And everybody knows James's work and everybody respects his work. But isn't it strange that you don't see him on the big shows, even in independent media, that he doesn't, they don't ask him. He's not, you know, like, I mean, like the bigger, bigger ones, like the quasi independents that are very clearly fighting for this, but not, you know, they, they reference what he's discussing. I promise you, they read some of his research and watched his documentaries, but weird how they don't source and cite what he said. See, it's because he's in the same category, nonpartisan in a way that's irritatingly objective. And as you know, I, I emulate, I, he's somebody that I've looked up to this entire work. And there's a reason that people like us get cast aside because it's impossible to argue from within the two-party paradigm. So they just leave it alone. Now, it goes forward to say, for the Russian people, when they see that a conflict has waged between the pro-Russian separatists and Ukrainian forces, and this is important, by the way, resulting in 1,400 dead, as they're right now arguing that none of that's true, it pulls on the heartstrings. Right, so that this this whole situation, the Ukrainian effort to pull to pull back in these people that don't want to be part of their country because of the way that they represent themselves, like that's that's what's crazy. You can talk to people on the ground, right? The reality of the the Donetsk and, and Luhansk people and and their willingness, their desire to not be part of the Ukrainian nationalist government because they don't respect their culture, because they don't respect what they believe. Which is funny because that's supposed to be what we are fighting for everywhere in the world: freedom for you to believe what you want, except for those people, because we're on Ukraine's white nationalist side only this time. You see, it's just—it's so wildly contradictory. Shoot, I always do that. It's—it's it's so, it's so frustrating how it can be so obviously contradictory, and we just pretend it doesn't. It's—it's—it's it's, it's insulting to the intelligence. But fourteen hundred people have been killed in this process back and forth. And that's, again, that was my, ultimately the point because they're trying to pull these people back in even though they're being suppressed. They're being ethnically cleansed. The fact that NATO, which itself has committed its own illegitimate military interventions, as seen under international law, is now lecturing Russia, holds no weight for those who know the history of NATO aggression. Like, why can't we factor this in? And that's just NATO in general, especially, as he says, when it comes to the United States government. The irony of them opposing illegal occupation, a violation of sovereignty, and a war of aggression is almost, it's not almost, it's laughable, given its own long and ongoing history of doing the exact same thing. It's happening right this moment. Are we, are we that ridiculous? Are we really going to pretend that it's okay for the U.S. to continue occupying Syria? While, but then, oh, but Russia, bad guy, doing the same thing? I mean, for crying out loud. Oh, did I say 1,400, by the way? If I did, I meant 14,000. I just see somebody say that in the chat, the people that have been killed. But isn't that just, in, I mean, we really need to laugh about that. Right now, the U.S. government, right now, is illegally occupying Syria, illegally occupying Afghanistan, illegally occupying Iraq. I mean, it's just painfully... It, the fact that we pretend that's not the case is the problem today. And that's the partisan game I'm talking about. They know that's true. It's very clear. So the fact that we have NATO and the U.S. predominantly standing up and screaming that Russia doesn't care about sovereignty and Russia's war of aggression and Russia's illegal occupation, we, it's just embarrassing. And I, I don't even think most people buy this. That's See, now it's going to be hard for people to get their minds back around the false majority again. We had it with COVID-19, right? But we all got jammed back in this. And I think we're all lost to think the majority believes it again. I don't even believe that. I don't believe the majority is on their side, even with this. We just get pulled back into that belief 
because they're really aggressive about their, their narrative. But the only difference between the U.S. government and the Russian government in this case is that Washington will never suffer the full consequences of its wars. Many may not know that within roughly the same time frame as Russia has been pushing into Ukraine, well, guess what? The U.S. military has bombarded Yemen, Somalia, and its ally Israel, as opposed to Russia's move, has bombarded Syria. All unprovoked and illegal actions under international law. Here's Sarah Abdallah. As of the 26th, Saudi Arabia and the UAE bombing Yemen right now. U.S.-U.K.-backed genocide has been going on for years. Where's the global outrage? Why does that not matter? You're, you're starving an entire country to death. You're murdering people in the streets. You're bombing them when they get picked up by ambulances. I mean, these are verifiable war crimes. What about the bus that Jim, Cor- Jim Carrey wrote in a cartoon about? Oh, we just, we just oops, our, our bad. Then Mohammed bin Salman, the leader of Saudi Arabia, will come out and say that we're going to continue to kill children because we want them to suffer. Openly says that, and we're all fake news. Right? This is the crazy part. This is totally acceptable because Yemenis don't need freedom, because their lives don't matter. I mean, just think about how crazy that is. Then just factor in all the other countries where it's also happening. They're also starving Iran, by the way. We just don't talk about that anymore. This is this should break your heart because these are the people that are pretending they're fighting for freedom right now while openly defending a white supremacist government while then pretending to fight you as the white supremacist here. Think about that. Now, by the way, we're going to get into the partisan part of this. And this is what there's probably a lot. I shouldn't even say this right now because right there, I probably had a lot of Republicans going, yeah, I'm on your side. The problem, though, is that the, the party paradigm is is is. Right now, you're going to have a lot of Republicans that are going to be like, yeah, Russia's not the bad guy and the, the, um, the U.S. is doing this. And like Trump came out and basically criticized Putin or excuse me, Biden's arguments around this. There's actions around this. But simultaneously, while calling out the, the false narrative around this would be blindly all gung ho about anything negative against China. It's the same thing. You're being thrown at each side, right? One side's getting thrown at China. The other side's getting thrown at Russia. And you're be- both being played by the government. Now, it goes on to say, the West has sent military assistance to Ukraine. Let's not, let's not, let's realize that right now. The same government, much of which has ended up in the hands of just one of which is the Azov Battalion, which I linked to in my show, an openly neo-Nazi battalion included in the Ukrainian military. But more than that, guys, as I'll go into yet again today, it's not just included. It is in, it is, it is the National Guard. It is the, it has been, it was created by the interior of the ministry. This has emerged since 2014. It has exploded into the, every aspect of this. And I've already shown you this. The Newsweek article calls it out from like a month ago. So this embarrassing re- reeling back of the media to pretend that's not happening is just, it shows you that they don't have, nothing is sacred to them. They, I don't even think they care. They look stupid. The West approach here is very clear. As Robert says, they seek expansion of their influence as they always do. But what they also seek to achieve now is stunting the influence and growth of Russia, which they stated openly in their direction, their statements about China, about Russia. But here's the point. If you think that that expansion of their influence is being done to benefit your life, you're wrong because it's exactly the opposite of what happens. Every single time this pushes, I mean, look at the war on terror, what the whole fake war on terror that what did it do? verifiably, even from the government's own assessments, exponentially increased the threat they said they were trying to fight. Oops. That, and you could argue it's because they just, oops, made a mistake. You know, as I always say, they'd rather be seen as incompetent than criminal, or you could realize that their intention was to create that threat, to be able to use it, sort of like they're doing now. So when they 
expand their influence, what happens? Your life gets harder. Your rights get removed. That's what happens every single time. The war on terror did not see your rights get expanded. They saw them get exponentially removed. And we just spun that into COVID-19. Now we're back on foreign policy. Now it says, by drawing Russia into Ukraine, they may be attempting to bog it down, bleed it economically, and cut it down to size. Out of this could easily come the new Cold War, as it's openly being referred to right now. Right? Isn't it funny how seconds ago we were talking about how this was a false flag, which by the way, where'd that go? What happened to the false flag? Oh, who cares? That was that was three days of narrative ago. You're way behind, <laughs> right? False flag and crisis actors and all this stuff, which by the way, seems to be clearly what at least the, the evidence seems to point that that's happening on the Ukraine side. I can't prove it. I can't prove it on either side. But what I see suggestions, I mean, my point is there's not evidence right now that even the US government or the media or Ukraine of arguing Russia is doing false flag stuff because they, they're they walking through the streets. So it's kind of hard to make that argument. So they just went away from it. But th- that's my point. So there's not they're not claiming they're doing it without proving it. But we do have that from the other side. So just think we have an argument from one side doing it, sort of like the white phosphorus right now. They're not claiming, no, no, Russia did it. That's not happening, which is usually how that goes. One side's levying the argument when they're just continuing to argue Russia bad guy invading our country. Interesting. The Cold War is already being, I mean, how the media went from this is the biggest war in a century to now we're talking about a new Cold War on a dime. Now it says, however, we have to keep in mind that Russia is not the Soviet Union. It's not driven by the same ideological force that drove the USSR and is not about to use global South liberation causes for a worldwide Marxist agenda. He's calling, he's basically calling out the US government's actions in South America over the last so many decades. Exactly the point, subjugating people under a guise of liberation. Why, what it may now do is, in fact, use its alliances, Russia, and power to pressure the West. But it won't be done in the same ideologically driven manner as was the ca- ca- case in the past. It will be done from a more Machiavellian realist approach. We are dealing with an intervention here. But the context is key, guys. Right? Look at the U.S. government. Freedom interventions, right? We're invading for freedom. Doesn't that, that's context. What's interesting is that you only get it from one side. Or rather, you only get yeah, well, that you only get the context from one side. When really, you should be listening to all sides and trying to suss out the truth because they're all lying to you. To ignore the West's role is essentially drawing Russia into in, you know, it, their role as in drawing them in, basically, and cheering on NATO is a pro-war position, right? If you're simply ignoring that and saying the West didn't play a role, then you're pro-war. Is his point? It was inevitable that this invasion was going to come to fruition. Almost, although most of us did not see it happening so quickly. Unfortunately for the civilians of Ukraine, the newest phase of this seemingly, of this seemingly, uh, wow, there's a son of a gun that drives me crazy. This seemingly never ending game of Imperial tug of war has them caught in this crossfire. That's always the case guys. Always. You're going to watch me fix it in real time. And that's the sad part about this, isn't it? That the, the civilians are always the people taking the brunt of the problem. Always. That's the problem of governments. This is not, now his point here, guys, all this is not pro-Russian propaganda, exactly like I was saying. It's simply reality. Accepting this does not mean picking a side. It just means choosing to be honest with ourselves about what we can prove, right? Damn it. That really upsets me. I don't usually do that. 
I don't, I'm a lot going on in my personal life these days, guys. <laughs> Missing stuff. Make fun of me, please. I shouldn't be leaving typos in there. But great article, Robert. He's always knocking out of the park. I'm sure more will be coming your way from him. But to move this over into a little bit of current, uh, the, the accusations. Now, the way we're going to roll through this information is we're going to show you some of the accusations being made. We're going to go into basically the, a, a couple quick points about the timeline, just like three or four points to show you who was doing things first. We're then going to get into some real world documentation that Whitney and I pointed at, but we didn't have time to look at in regard to uh, what is that Patrick Lancaster. And then we're going to go into some manipulation of the reality, proving to you that Ukraine media is regularly lying about the things they're releasing which should make you question at least both. I mean, all sides should be questioned. But if you're only questioning Russia and yet you can see that they're lying about stuff, then you should ask why that is. We're also going to talk about the Nazi part of this and what the, the, the obvious evidence or rather the white supremacist nature of the government and where that comes from and some manipulations. And then we'll end with the nuclear threat and where we currently are. Now, as of this is the 27th, Ukrainian forces use banned white phosphor shells against Russia is being reported from the Russian defense ministry. So obviously take it with a grain of salt. Now, obviously we don't know this white phosphorus is a dangerous thing. It's a chemical weapon that's banned. You cannot use white phosphorus unless it's a violation of the chemical weapons uh, act. It's a violation. It's a war crime. Now there is a weird loophole and of course, who made this loophole? Well, what do you know? The, what, the U.S. government, the Israeli government, who often always uses it, right? During the day, mind you, even though they argue what it's for is for lighting the field and for signaling. Which, by the way, there's a thousand things you could use that'd be better that also don't melt people's flesh off. But, you know, <laughs> we'll give it the good guy, white gov U.S. government wants to use these things because it's for good signals, right? Even though they use it during the day and it clearly is being used over civilian areas, but we hide that. The point is, the U.S. government's been caught using this over and over and over. And so too has the Israeli government over and over and over. Now, in the context of the history, I could promise you that most of these governments could show a history of using these things. But the reality of what we're pointing at in the U.S. government in Israel is long since they promised us they wouldn't be using them and long since they stopped or since they were illegalized. And you can prove it. But here we have uh, where was his name in here? Well, it, I, oh, it's in the other one. But the Russian Defense Ministry saying that the Ukrainian forces used phosphorus shells on a large scale at an airport. Now, I have a, a clip up there from the airport here, I believe. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to it from Lancaster. But here is another. This is from the 27th as well. Russian MOD reporting the same thing. And here, here's his name right here. It was I'm just blanking on it right now. It's uh, Igor. That's right. Igor Koneshnikov. Saying de desperate to deter the Russian offensive, Ukraine's army has been massively using phosphorus munitions in areas close to Kiev and near the Gostomol airport. They're using 122 millimeter D-30 howitzers and rockets for BM-21 Grad systems made in the Soviet Union. Now, could it be lying? Of course it could. But here's some context for you to understand. Oh, actually, before we get there, here's South Front reporting the same thing. Push towards uh, Maripol and Battle of Kharkov, fifth day of the operations of Ukraine. And it gets into, I'll just play the video here, and <clears throat> gets to the breakdown of what they're saying has happened. Ukrainian forces use phosphorus-filled shells for de-phosphorus-filled shell Ukraine line. On February 27th, the Ukrainian military began mass use of phosphorus-filled munitions in the Kiev suburbs near the Gostomel airfield. Ukrainian forces use phosphorus-filled shells for D-30 howitzers and phosphorus-filled rockets for BM-21 grab launchers. 
As of February 28th, new assault units of the radical organization Right Sector arrived in Mariupol from the Lvov region. And Right Sector, again, one of the other groups they don't want to talk about and pretend it's only the Azov Battalion, which, by the way, like we keep saying, is more than just a battalion. It's completely immersed. The, the right sector is one of the ones we just discussed, or one of the ones tied to Craig Lang, who is tied to the Georgian Legion, who is in that video we're going to show you. I mean, it, and it's all, it's immersed, is my point. They deployed our... Oh, and they're all white supremacists, and that's the point. Our ...vehicles and artillery in residential areas of the city, using the local population as human shields. There are reports of dozens of civilians having been killed by them. In several Donetsk, armed formations from western Ukraine act as retreat blocking units. On February 27th, they shot four Ukrainian officers that attempted to withdraw their soldiers out of the line of fire. And we already reported this with that, with Whitney. We discussed this. And I, this this has been confirmed from a lot of different locations. This is actually disgusting. And this I was going to save this for, for later, but this is the kind of people we're talking about here, guys. Right? This is Ukraine's boats attack ships evacuating Ukrainian troops. Right. So Ukrainian troops who defected, basically, who left and said, we don't want to be part of this. They shot them on the way out. Like, I mean, regardless of whether you think, oh, they're defectors, they should whatever, they're traitors. The point is you're shooting people in the back that like that's a war crime from whatever side we're talking about. But this just shows you what we're talking about. This is the kind of grouping, the group that we deal with, the kind of groups that would use white phosphorus, the kind of groups that people would do this would be the kind of people that would use human shields. Just something to think about, right? DPR forces liberated the village of Bugas, two kilometers from Volnovka, the key stronghold of the regime north of Mariupol. On the evening of February 27th, the DPR launched an advance on Volnovka itself. Also, DPR units pushed six kilometers more in the direction of Mariupol. The settlements of Nizhny, Granit Noye, and Gnutovo were liberated. At the same time, Russian forces liberated the large town of Berdansk and approached Mangush, 10 kilometers west of Mariupol. Street fighting continued in Kharkov. Moscow continues to refuse to use aviation and artillery on residential areas. On Now, again, like a claim like that, for instance, right? Now, obviously, people would argue that, that uh, specifically South Front is pro-Russia, right? And I, I would argue they have clearly a lean in that direction. If not completely, I mean, we should always question whether any of these, including Western press, by the way, are state-sponsored media. Like, if you're willing to call RT state-sponsored media, but not call Fox and CNN state-sponsored media, then you're lying to yourself. It's exactly what they are. It's just so frustrating how we have that lens, only one side of it here. But the point is that they, from what I can tell from people on the ground and different independent journalists, that does seem to be the case. I'm not, all we see is Ukraine arguments about shelling in civilian areas. That there's no, I, I haven't seen these things proven. Now we can see in reverse, which again, I will show you the videos. I, if, if you're out there thinking I'm wrong or I'm missing it, please send me this stuff. I will show it on the next show. My point is I always do this and it doesn't happen because we get narrative being thrown at us from a government that's constantly been caught lying. I don't know why we wouldn't at least consider that that's what's happening. Now also recognize that these are people that Russia wants to continue to rule, Right. So why would you, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It, a lot, you have to think about this from a, from a, it, it'd be, it would be like, well, I mean, it's hard to frame it with the U.S. government's actions because they seem to do this every single time. But from a rational standpoint, you would argue somebody trying to take over an area wouldn't want to just annihilate people in the area because then you have to rule over people that hate you. Eh, just a thought. But as I say that, I'm like, well, the U.S. did that here and here and here and here. But, you know, seemingly that doesn't work out for them, right? That should tell you something, but let's keep going. 
February 27th, one of the Russian forward groups that entered the city on light military vehicles was destroyed. At least one serviceman was taken captive. The Russian command's incomprehensible actions in the Kharkov direction are successfully exploited by regime forces. It is premature to speak of the capture of the city or even of partial control of it. As of February 28th, this is an example of one of the most successful actions of the Kiev regime against the Russian military. Right. So as I understand it, there's been it didn't it's not really going exactly the way that Russia expected. At least that's what I believe I keep I see from like kind of all sides at the moment. Doesn't mean it's even remotely de- decided. But the point here is that they're accusing Ukraine's government of using white phosphorus shells and human shields, which it's not new. We get that it's kind of the same argument you get in any field of war. It, it, it's, it seems to be their kind of their go to argument. But usually and maybe I'm missing it. You get it from both sides. That's, I, love, I always get the scarecrow picture in my mind. He did it. He did it. You know, he did it. No, they did it. And somebody might have, maybe nobody did it. But the point is they're all pointing at the other side. But in this case, I only see one accusation being thrown, which I find interesting. Now, you can question this and you should question this because who knows, you know, basically if you're only getting a narrative coming from intelligence from either side, you should be going, maybe it's not true. But here's why you should consider the history. And, si- and likewise, the history of what I would argue is not clear evidence of the same happening on the side of Russia, at least since the Soviet Union. Here is Vice News from 2014. Oh, look at that. We're talking about who? The Ukrainian forces. The same government right now. This, this is the Ukrainian forces that were put in place or the government put in place by the U.S. from 2014 forward. And guess what? Ukrainian forces used little-known Soviet-era incendiary, incendiary, incendiary weapons to attack this area. Burned civilian houses to the then-rebel-held t- town to the ground. We're talking about white phosphorus. Here is the Washington Post. Guess what? Saudi Arabia appears to be using U.S.-supplied white phosphorus in its war on Yemen. I mean, this stuff is verifiable, guys. Just because they, the people like Pompeo will come out and yell at you that you don't, you don't understand or you're wrong or it signals or whatever, I mean, it's meaningless because it constantly gets reported on the peripheral, right? But then once the war is in the midst of it, you, don't, you can't say this. You, but we'll point back at their old articles and go, see, they said it then, but they'll still call you fake news. Sort of how we point back and say, look, here they're talking about natural immunity. Here they're talking about masks don't work. Oh, fake news, because now we have a different narrative, right? The point is that your U.S. government has used white phosphorus all over the world and continues to to this day in its own fields of war. And even the Western press would call them out for it in different times. Here's, the, here's Newsweek. White phosphorus melts children's flesh. But no government wants to investigate, and not me, not CAD, not kind of, not unsure. The U.S. government keeps using it too. Fact. Not because it's in Western media, but because it's a fact, and you can prove it. My point is they're just that willing to say it back then. But so now, you won't really get be able to talk about it like this, will you? So we, we have evidence of the Ukrainian government currently there, as even the Western press points out, using white phosphorus against the people it doesn't like. Here we have U.S. government using white phosphorus against the people it doesn't like, even though that's a very clear war crime. Okay, how about we go back even further? Guess what? They did this before. You guys should know this. The U.S. broke its own rules, firing depleted uranium in Iraq. Now, guys, I could have gone so deep on this and horrified you, given you nightmares. If you choose to look into this disgusting background story, be ready for what you find because it goes on to this day and the people of Iraq have suffered horrifically because of this. This is, this, this is radiation attacks. 
You're using depleted uranium into, into these shells so that you, this is just punitive. Because you realize the bombing kills people that it bombs. But then this is used so the after effect makes the lives on, makes on to this day, genetic, passing it on to your families. The United States military ignored its own guidelines for the use of depleted uranium and ammunitions in the Iraq war, firing controversial weapons at unarmored targets, building in populated areas to true, uh, un, excuse me, unarmored targets, buildings and populated areas. This was the conclusion of a declassified military data. That's my point. So now that they're that far away from it, okay, we'll admit it. 2016, oh yeah, we'll, we'll say it now, even because you won't be able to do anything about it. Depleted uranium. Here's the one last one from the Guardian. U.S. fired depleted uranium at civilian areas. Okay, so now we've got a little context here, knowing that not only did they do this and not fired, chose to fire at civilians, meaning to with depleted uranium, with white phosphorus, Yemeni civilians, Ukraine government being given this by the U.S. to use against the bad guys, right? Or the ones they claim are the bad guys over and over and over, right? We know this. Then the NATO group didn't do anything about it. NATO didn't care. Where was the UN? Did anything happen to the US government? Of course not. Did they get kicked out of FIFA? Did they get kicked off the news platforms, right? Did they get removed from social media? Nothing happened. Literally nothing. Okay. So now we have to take a step back and go, okay, is it possible that they're doing it again? Yes. Now, I'm not saying we can prove that. It's possible Russia lied about this because they're trying to justify their invasion. But if you're unwilling to ask that question, then you are deluding yourself. And you know that. I think you know that. Because right now, we can't prove pretty much any of this. That's why you use the history to understand where they're coming from and come to your own conclusions. Now, We've, in this article I went over called Hype, Lies, and PSYOPs, how the false flag narrative was bungled. And I called, look, what's funny is I called this out before the false flag narrative ended. Isn't that funny? Because they did. They, they embarrassingly blew this. Because that's my point. Where'd that ha- what happened to the false flag, right? You don't come out and go, they're going to do that tomorrow at 1 a.m. And then like, rush, even if, let's say they were going to do it, they're like, I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> that's just stupid. And then they called the evacuation a false flag and then clearly it ended up, it was proven to have happened and they just got real quiet about that. Even though faking an evacuation is not even a false flag. I mean, for crying out loud, this has got really clumsy. But the point was, this is the article, the, the show where I go into the NATO expansion and the Ukraine regime change in 2014. Important to understand that. Now on that note, let's watch a really important video from somebody you probably haven't heard from. In a, or you, I, you haven't. I think the last video he did was months and months ago. But somebody I used to follow a lot. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean that I agree with literally everything he's saying. But this is a person who was a, somebody I paid attention to a lot when I was coming up in this, before I even started. And that's Storm Clouds Gathering. Now, he did a video on the 2014 cross that I think is important for you to understand. And this is a history that you really need to understand before you go into what happened next. So let's take, let's, uh, take a watch. Ten minutes. We'll go through it. I, I'm not going to stop it. Let's just let it go. And we'll talk about it afterward. The European and and, I st- and then I pause it before we start. The point I wanted to make sure I told you this is storm storm clouds gathering is the channel. I don't believe he's even got a YouTube channel anymore, but I want to give him a shout out because he does amazing work or has in the past, and all of his work is Creative Commons. And he said he he said you don't even have to cite him. He said just share it, but you should obviously always cite people and use their work. But I want to give him a shout out for that in general because for him it's clearly all about the truth. The European and American public are being systematically lied to 
about the Ukraine crisis. In this video, we're going to provide you with compelling evidence that the crimes against humanity committed in Kiev earlier this year were in fact committed by the new coalition government. And and did I say 2014? Just in case I didn't. This is 2014 and his coverage of the 2014 regime change. That officials in the EU and the United States knew full well who committed these crimes and that they are protecting and financially supporting the real criminals. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU Foreign Policy Chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's Foreign Minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. Right. And, and think about that in the context of, I don't know, Venezuela. They, they tried with the Molotov cocktails. Remember, they really tried. And even while the proof came out, they kept trying because clearly that was the agenda and the media followed suit. We're supposed to blame Maduro for this. And he he bombed, he attacked the food that was coming, even though it turned out it was full of barbed wire and wood. Right. I mean, they, they, this is this is what the government we're talking about does. The U.S. government does this as a matter of policy over and over and over. Now, that does not mean inherently that Russia is telling the truth or they're not doing bad things, too. But you have to understand this before we go forward on this conversation. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. The most prominent among these extremist groups is an organization called Svoboda. The Svoboda Party, which traces its roots to the Ukrainian Partisan Party, World War II, was loosely allied with Nazi Germany. Until 2004, Svoboda had been called the Social Nationalist Party, a deliberate reference to the National Socialism of the Nazis. And we're not throwing the term neo-Nazi around here as an empty slur. The leader of Svoboda, Oli Tanibok, has openly targeted Jews and ethnic Russians in Ukraine for many years. Now that's an important point to make right there, right? And just please make sure you don't lose this as we go over to the other conversation because it's, it's, it's so obvious how clear this history is and how clear they are what we say they are. Now, it's important point to step back and realize the idea of, let's say, the word Nazi or neo-Nazi or the concept of white supremacy has obviously been weaponized by the Western governments, by the Israeli governments, 100%. I've talked about this endlessly. But frustratingly enough, even people in our audience would see, for instance, the, the article or the headline that said white supremacist... Uh, uh, 
breeding ground in Ukraine and somehow think that I am t- like changing sides all of a sudden and then going, oh, there's a threat of white supremacy. That's not what I'm actually saying. What I, I mean, if this group is built, there's a threat of whatever they are. They're a threat. They're a dangerous thing. But that's not to say that this narrative was true. Right. That's an important thing to understand. My point in showing you this new Syria overlap is because that's what they're building. Right. It's sort of like we can point to the fact that like the ISIS, the ISIS in general, been armed and funded and shuttled all over the world by the U.S. government. That's provable. Ben Swan did a great documentary about the origins of ISIS that tie right back to the U.S. government. My point is that that's something that's constantly happening and you can prove that. And so the and so shoot. Today, more than ever, guys, I jump over like three, four topics at once. Then I lose my train of thought. I know you guys love me for it. Make fun of me, please. Oh, the neo-Nazi point. Okay. So the idea that he's, that it's, it's important to dis, have a, di, to differentiate between the agenda and what the real thing is. Cause we, these things are that real to some degree. Right. And of course we also talk about what I was going to say, the, the Syria crossover. Right. So they armed and funded these ISIS people and the jihadists or Hayat Tir al-Sham. Right. And they created that threat, but that means that it's false to some degree. Right. Because they created it. They're arming it. It's, it's an illusion. But that doesn't mean that there weren't actually real things. And even Saudi Arabia openly discussed how they sort of lost control over the thing they created, right? So you can see that being a similar idea here and how this could become that new threat that they use and point at and pretend that it's happening in your country, just like they did with Syria. Oh, the ISIS threat. Look at this woman going over to join ISIS, right? We saw all this already. It's the same thing. But this time, the white supremacist ties back aggressively to one party in their minds and their narrative, which it doesn't in reality. And it also ties back very clearly to the domestic terrorism, to the COVID narrative, to everything they're trying to tie together. Very important. I know I said I wouldn't stop it, guys. I'm sorry. Let me keep going. In 2004, he was kicked out of Viktor Yushchenko's government for speech calling for Ukrainians to fight against a, quote, Muscovite Jewish mafia. And in 2005, he signed his name to an open letter to the leadership of Ukraine entitled, Stop the criminal activities of organized Jewry. Do you realize that's provable, right? I mean, this is on the record. This is how frustrating it is that we have to fight back against people that are willfully ignoring things in front of them. That, that's how you must realize that most of these journalists out there are either willfully dishonest or too stupid to do their job because they just think that they, I've made this talk with somebody else the other day. Right. These are these journalists out there are out there thinking they are in the know and they think they're the cutting edge journalists of the day because they've got a CIA uh, insider and an FBI insider and a White House insider and a Pentagon insider. Right. And they tell them what they're supposed to think. But they think they know because they've got the inside. Now, could they be telling the truth? Sure. But that's not real journalism or intelligence. And I'm not saying everyone in the Western press is like that, but that's what most of these people are. They're just talking heads and they're people, they're, they're fed information and they love it because they get to be famous and they get to, and they might not even realize they're being fed, right? That's there. They either know it's there and don't look at it or don't care or know because they're not even looking for it. But apparently the media is overwhelmed with saying it's not, there's no problem there. You're lying. It's only... Putin, and he's lying to you. And none of this was a secret. The BBC was already reporting on the danger that Svoboda's rise posed back in 2012. And the EU passed a resolution that same year condemning Svoboda as, quote, racist, anti-Semitic, and xenophobic. Just like somehow right now. the U.S. government thought it was appropriate to back these extremists. Just like right now. This I'm is crazy. a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. Newland. 
huge player in all of this, like central to this entire thing. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tiny Bulk in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. Also think about the idea of the Svoboda group, right? You're not hearing that today, right? (laughs) Oh, it's only the Azov Battalion. No, it's far more. It's the right sector. It's the Georgia League. It's all of them. That's what we keep trying to point out. And this is the group that we just showed you with McCain and Graham speaking to in 2017. Literally going, we're gonna we're gonna go against Russia, right? And who's the one aggressing when they're literally going, we're gonna fight Russia back then? <laughs> that same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here. Um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. Mm-hmm. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. This is the U.S. government on the record talking about putting people in place in this new government. That's not that's not what's supposed to be. That's not the reality they tell everybody. Very clear regime change, undeniable. But you, it, it just gets people won't even look at this if they're told not to. Hopefully, you're paying attention. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> You think, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking, in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Boak and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Right, and this is what sovereignty looks like, right? This is what independence looks like, right, U.S. government? Right, Biden? This is freedom deciding what they're going to do and telling them how to do it. Um, I, kinda... I, I, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week. You know, I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yats and Yuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, it, I, think that's, I think that's right. Okay. The mainstream media tried to draw your attention away from the important part of that conversation by focusing on the fact that she used a cuss word when referring to the EU. Did I write yeah. that this morning? Yeah, okay. I saw that. He, he's now gotten both Sari and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Sari could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it and, you know, fuck the EU. The U.S. government thought that they could control this beast, but they were wrong. Svoboda and the right sector are not toys to be played with. These groups are armed, they're forceful, and they view this crisis as an opportunity to reshape Ukraine in their own image. This video shows a prominent leader from the right sector, Alexander Muzichko, brandishing an AK-47 in parliament, letting them know who's in charge. Right sector. This is the same Alexander Muzichko who's made public statements in the past vowing to, quote, fight against Jews, communists, and Russian scum for as long as he lives. As long as I live, I will fight against Jews, communists, and Russian scum. Apparently, the U.S. government has been a little slow to catch on to the fact that their hand has been exposed. 
In March, a senior U.S. official told Reuters that, quote, Since entering the Ukrainian parliament in October of 2012, the Swoboda leadership has been working to take their party in a more moderate direction and to become a modern European mainstream political party. The leadership has been much more vigilant about expelling or otherwise punishing individual <laughs> members who engage in xenophobic behavior. That's what they say about the Azov Battalion, too, which never actually happened. And think about how dumb this is. This is the same as Hyatt Tyrrell Sham, right? That didn't work. They just changed names, right? You're literally rebranding terrorists and pretending like that makes it work for you. And that's how dumb they think you are. Uh, don't forget that. A rhetoric. Oh, so it's okay to use known neo-Nazi groups to topple a government as long as their leaders keep their people from saying anything stupid in front of cameras for a few months. Right. The reality of the matter is that as ridiculous as this position makes Washington look, they're trapped. They can't deny that Svoboda and right sector are running the coalition government when Svoboda holds five senior posts, including the deputy prime minister position. That's so important. And even to this day, my, uh, my argument is the same. They're trapped in this. Right. It doesn't mean they're not using it. They're clearly a, there's a benefit to them to drive this. The agenda is going the way they want it to, I think, at least so far. But the idea of this contradictory nature of how they're claiming they're fighting white supremacy and I don't and how now suddenly it's coming center stage that the very group on the center stage of all foreign policy that they're standing behind is one of the most openly white supremacist gov governments or militaries in the world, it would seem. You can't make sense of that. So they're trying to run from this, but they lock themselves in. This is what it looks like. This is what I constantly say, right? You can't lie about everything until, until eventually you have to step on another, a previous lie, right? To sell the new lie. That's what's happening, I think, all the time with these governments because everything they do is lies. Everything. That's my opinion, obviously, but I think it's pretty damn clear. And the right sector's Dmitry Yarosh is now the country's deputy secretary of national security. But what about that dramatic video? I am Ukrainian that went viral as the crisis was unfolding. Of course. It was so compelling, so heart-wrenching. Yeah, but who made it? Exactly. Whisper to a roar. Who are these people? Oh, look, a link in the description. This is why I loved his work. I wish he was still doing this. Let's click it. They have a website and a behind-the-scenes section. Oh, it lists the filmmakers. Who's this here? Larry Diamond, inspiration and executive producer. He's also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and the National okay. Endowment for Democracy. And he's an advisor for the U.S. State Department. Of course he is. You know, the funny thing about the National Endowment for Regime Change, I mean, um, democracy, <laughs> is that even though they call themselves an NGO, they get virtually all of their money from the U.S. federal government. You can easily verify this by downloading their annual financial disclosures. The original, I wouldn't say the original, but the the pri the the largest previous, let's just say original public-private partnership. Right. That's what this is. The illusion of this being some kind of non-governmental thing. And really, it was just all completely governmental. Or like Facebook being driven, you know, content being directed on Facebook by Atlantic Council. Right? These overlaps. That's what the, that's what this all has become in the World Economic Forum and all this is. But this, they are all about the public-private partnership. And that's what your government is becoming. It means they're basically unaccountable. You, you can't you can't FOIA request them anymore in, in this in the context of public private partnerships. It's all going that direction. Same thing here. National Endowment for Democracy. Uh, uh, excuse me. National Endowment. <sighs> National Endowment for Democracy, as James Corbett put it, is the Trojan horse. They are the Trojan horse of regime change. It's what they do, and it's just one of the many. But he's right. They're lying to you about everything here. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that the NED has been pouring massive amounts of money into Ukraine to, quote, strengthen democracy and civil society. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Democracy, civil society. Of course, by now you've realized that when they talk about spreading democracy, what they really mean 
is regime change, and they are willing to work with the most despicable elements when it's expedient. And by the way, that's exactly now what they're pointing and saying about Russia. Don't miss the, the irony there, even if that may be what's happening. The re- what's funny is they're pointing at Russia right now and saying, no, 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 they're talking about freedom and liberation. They what wink, wink. What they really mean is regime change, right? How embarrassing for the media to be able to see that, call it out, but not say the same thing in reverse. Like they, in their minds, they must be going, well, this makes me stupid or it makes me a hypocrite. Some of them, only the ones that are smart enough to see past it, or they don't care because they're bad people. But just how embarrassing that is. This is exactly the same game as they played in Syria. The U.S. government funded known extremists, literal terrorist organizations who have been documented massacring whole towns. And even after those extremists used sarin gas on thousands of civilians and got caught by the U.N., Washington still covered for them. Even to this day, they are still funding those murderers. They are still training them. And they are still sending them weapons. There's a word for that. State-backed terrorism. But the situation in Ukraine didn't unfold as planned. The Parliament of Crimea in the south of Ukraine voted to secede, and they're putting the decision up for a public referendum on March 16th. The U.S. government claims that this referendum is unconstitutional and says that they won't recognize Crimea's decision as legitimate regardless of the outcome. Ah, look, that's an important point to remember, right? So you know how you see how that changed today? The mainstream media would tell you that, no, it didn't even happen, right? They're lying about that, right? They didn't do that. Russia just took them, took them over and forced it over there, right? They're lying to you. Because you see, if, if, if you can't look at both of these and see that you can't walk away thinking they're being honest. Because if they're willing to say here at this time that we know they are voting and we won't recognize it because it's unconstitutional for these people to declare independence, like this is the hypocrisy of the U.S. government. There's no, you don't need any other justification anywhere else in the world if it goes along with their agenda. You just need the desire to be free, right? But these people, as they're being attacked by a clear regime change government that's white supremacist, that's clearly attacking them because they're Russian, which, by the way, they call Moskuls, M-O-S-K-U-L. It's basically a derogatory term for Russians, and they openly call them that. Like, there's plenty of videos on the ground inside Ukraine right now. And it's so very clear how these people are being being hurt and attacked. It's not happening the way around, right? The pro-Russian separatists are not in Ukraine attacking Ukrainian people. That's not the way this reality is going. It's very clearly the opposite. It might be if it was the other way around, if it was the Russian area trying to pull back Ukraine into its control. That's not what's happening, though. So here they are saying, look, we won't even recognize what they say. We We don't believe them. And now today it's that it didn't even happen. That's because they still think you're too stupid to take 20 seconds to look back at what they said then. That's why videos like this are so important. And by the way, you're not that stupid, right? They underestimate the intelligence of Americans more than I've ever seen today. I believe that. They won't recognize Crimea's decision as legitimate regardless of the outcome. So a foreign-backed neo-Nazi coup which takes control of the government without a vote is constitutional, exactly. but a declaration of independence placed to a general vote is not? Or sort of like how Bolivia, right? You can just argue, no, fake, with no evidence, militarily pull Evo Morales out or let he runs, and then MIT comes out with a study that proves that wasn't true, and nothing changes. There's still the way it is today. Facts don't matter. Only narrative matters. And this is what we can see. How in the world can you frame a regime change where you put in a white spread? Let's just let's just put aside the facts of the, what they are. You you just force in a, a government. There's no referendum. There's no gov- There's no vote. Even if you want to pretend the other votes are fake, there's not even an attempt to fake a vote. They just force it in, and then when people vote and you acknowledge that it's a real vote, but you don't regard it, acknowledge it, that's unconstitutional. I mean, good God, narrative is just 
all they care about. Seriously, that's the best you guys can do? Who writes these scripts? Take a step back and look at the pattern. The real stakes of this drama are much bigger than Ukraine or Syria. These are not random or isolated events. We are witnessing the final stages of a geopolitical chess game that is designed to end in war. But in order to get that war, they need to convince you, the public, that they didn't see this coming. They need you to believe that the other side was the aggressor. They're counting on you not paying attention to the fact that Obama signed an order targeting Russia with sanctions this past week and revoking the visas of a number of Russian diplomats. They're counting on you not noticing that Russia had warned that such a move would result in Russia dropping the dollar and encouraging others to do so as well. Oh, did I mention that China is on Russia's side in this conflict? The same China who keeps our economy afloat by loaning us more and more money. That's a brilliant idea. Start an economic war with China. These people are counting on you to be too naive to realize that economic warfare invites physical warfare. They're playing chicken with your children's future, and they think you're too stupid to connect the dots. Prove them wrong. Yep. We highly recommend that you verify the information presented here for yourself. In the description, you'll find a link to a page on our website which lists all of our sources. If you'd like to keep up with what's really going on in the world, go to our website, scgnews.com, and sign up for email updates. Now, somebody in the chat was saying that I guess his channel's still up. I uh, I I don't know if it, I I don't know I thought he was removed off YouTube I could be wrong anyway <clears throat> I'll, uh, please seek him out and find him if, and I'll try to remember to do that if if I I uh, get down and look it up I'll add it to the show notes he, he just he's one of the in my opinion absolutely one of the best in regard to the the video editing the concise nature of it the you know just everything he does an outstanding job. But how is, I mean, think about how vivid that is, how very real and clear that is. <clears throat> oh, you know what? I'm an idiot. There's a channel. I have the channel up right here. I guess I, what was I thinking about? Something had happened where he think he got censored or something. But the point is, like, let me, let me check real quick. I, I can't believe I didn't look at this earlier. I wonder why I didn't think I had the channel up. Let's see if he's got anything up recently. So two months ago. Yeah. So he, he does things here and there. How to overthrow, you know, just general stuff. I recommend you check it out. He does a great job. I'm going to come back to that as we go forward. But going forward on Ukraine, it's very obvious. And this is 2014. Don't How can you miss the overlap? The overlap? I mean, that's literally what we're staring at today, right? Thanks to Van Man who, who shared this uh, link right here. He also shared some of our links as well down here. A great thread with a bunch of information, by the way, if you want to check it out. All really important stuff to check out. Now, to give you a quick rundown of, the, of the, the quick background, this goes long before September 20th, but I would argue that most people in the mainstream paying attention to this now didn't realize there was stuff happening long before September, but even as back as September 2021, right? So just to quickly understand this, and again, as I've been saying throughout this whole process, if you want to watch the full version of these parts, I'm including the links for you to check out. So here is the full show. And I go through this discussion in that show, the point being, there was a clear buildup and aggressive actions in nature coming from the U.S. and NATO long before this ever started as they were pointing at Russia. September 20th, Ukraine was holding military drills in Ukraine along the border of Russia, mind you, with U.S. forces and NATO allies. So don't forget that the whole point that Russia was carrying out drills inside of Russia, but just because they border Ukraine, that was literally used as the impetus for all of this. They're using, they're drilling, they're building up in the border. That's going to be war, right? Now, it turned out to be where that's happening now. So, so you might want to think, well, there you go. It happened. But we have to think about whether or not this was driven like this by the U.S. that justified the building of troops on their border because the U.S. was already building on the border first. 
And then every action was driven into action by the U.S. making it happen. Now, I'm not saying I'm saying that, no, that's what happened. But you should be considering that just like you would consider the inverse of that discussion. Whereas the U.S. was just fighting for freedom and trying to defend Ukraine, Russia created the context to push in. The reality being that all we have is what we're looking at here. So if you're taking one at face value over the other, you should ask yourself why that is. It comes down to a subjective decision that one guy good, one guy bad, and that's childish. Okay, so what we're staring at is very obvious evidence that the U.S. was over here doing things that in any other context in anybody else's world would be a provocation. If Russia did this in Cuba, this would be a huge deal. That's not even literally bordering the country, whereas Ukraine is literally bordering Russia. So yet they hold drills in there with all sorts of NATO allies, and that's not a big deal, right? That doesn't make any sense. Then October 23rd, next month, guess what they do? The U.S. government sends F-16s 200 miles off the coast of Russia. You didn't hear about that? I wonder why. <laughs> Isn't that a provocation? Right? Where's the island? It's uh, right here. Ericsson Air Station at Shymia Island. It's on the western side of Russia. Or excuse me, the eastern side of Russia. I guess depending on where you're looking at from the globe. If you're looking straight at Russia, it's on the eastern side of Russia. And so they are over here on Ukraine on the western side drilling right along the border, and then they fly in F-16s on the other side. Doesn't that begin to feel like some kind of military? It is military action. There's no justifiable reason for this other than military action. If Russia flew planes into Venezuela, the U.S. government would lose its mind. So are we really pretending that first drilling along the border and then flying in troops and, and, and F-16s around either side of it, that that's not a provocation? So here, so th th thus far, this discussion was in the media. Right. Only after this began to happen is when Ukrainian intelligence spoke up and said they're about to do something. That's where that came from. The white supremacist government that's a puppet regime that shouldn't be there, that's backed by the U.S. government, spoke up and said they're going to do something. Nobody proved it. And it spun out to this point. Right. So they did everything first. And it's very, very clear. And if you pretend that Russia moving within its own borders is a provocation, then you're a child. Then. November 12th, Russian paratroopers sent to Belarus for exercises. This is Russia openly saying they were going to do drills, not only in Belarus, but also in Russia. They said this in November. They told the world we're doing drills. Nonetheless, it was framed as a random action that was aggressive and that they're building up. No, it wasn't. You could argue that they're building up under the context of drills, but that's not how they sold it to you. But you would then have to be honest about the fact that the U.S. did it first twice. Okay. Then this is my point. This is the Ukrainian intelligence saying they're going to do something. That's it. Okay. Now what we need to understand is that this is what the reality of the situation looks like when you look at U.S. bases encircling Russia. That's the reality. So who's being the aggressor? We also know that NATO in general just happens to be encircling these areas, right? This is the, this is the reality. This is the joke we've seen before. Russia wants war. Look how close they put their country to our military bases. So that's the timeline to understand. Now, in the beginning of this, right? Since then, we've seen a lot of stuff happen, such as the Declaration of Independence by the Donbass region, the acknowledgement of that independence by the Russian government, the accusation that that is some kind of Russian ploy by the U.S. government. All these things should be considered, but none of them should be taken at face value, which is that's the opposite of what's happening. 
Then, since then, we've seen action taken by the Russian government that drove into Ukraine. Now, all of that being understood, it started from somewhere that wasn't the way they sold it to you. You should, at the very least, be asking whether or not there's something going on that would be justified. Now, I personally find it hard to justify any kind of military action from any government. But if you're talking about something where they are defending the people that they're trying to defend, that they think they should defend, if you want to take for a moment at face value the Russian narrative, then that would be very hard to sell as unjustified if you accept that from the U.S. government. Right? That's called being objective. Now, here is where we have evidence on the ground from Patrick Lancaster, who I check, I recommend you check out his channel, who, and by the way, isn't his art, his, his discussion of this is not as one-sided as you might think. Like there's all, it's, it's kind of like talking about, you'll see what I mean when I play some of these clips, but here he is on February 21st before all the narrative, right? Before all the stuff that's happened since. And he was telling you before even the Russian push and everything. So this is the point. This stuff happened and you would argue before the argument would be, this would be one of the reasons. And many of them happened as far as I can tell, if you believe Russia's narrative that why they would push in, because if the Ukrainian government is using chemical weapons and you and bombing schools and attacking civilians. Well, they, they argue that there's a reason to do so, if, especially if you believe the U.S.'s narrative for why they do things everywhere else in the world. Right. Listen to what he has to say. Oh, I think I uh, let me make sure real quick. I, I thought I downloaded these. Oh, no, it doesn't look like it, but I have this loud enough anyway. Five here uh, was the Kievsky district of Donetsk, the uh, capital of the anti-Ukraine government, Donetsk People's Republic forces. And now, uh, as you can see behind me, all these windows here are uh, broken. That's because this school number 65 here uh, was hit by Ukrainian shelling. The residents tell us it was a diversent group that fired on this location. Um, This is a second school, and also a man's lost his life. Now we can see the impact here behind me. We're told that this school has been hit already three times, and all these windows have been replaced three times by Ukrainian shelling. How much longer do these civilians have to live through this constant attack from Ukrainian territory? Now, now understand, if you watch his his coverage, this has been going on long before all this kicked off. That's, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I want to reference a different a show. Uh, we are a uh, interview we did with Eva Bartlett and some coverage she had in regard to it, it, it. We did a big discussion about this in the past, about Ukraine, about Donbass. But that this has been, these are people like, I recommend you check out their work as well and their coverage of this because she's been on the ground in Donbass region. But th- this has been going on for a very long time. And that the separatists, in, as far as these people would report, are not doing what they're claiming in reverse, rather that Ukraine's doing this and allege and levying those claims at them which is what we keep seeing, which is the same thing the U.S. government does about things they say are happening against the bad guys they're fighting, even though the reality is they're committing atrocities and blaming them for what they do. Chemical weapons attacks, bombing schools, using human shields. That's all Syria. Verifiable stuff. Now, is that happening here? You should be questioning that. I don't know for sure, but history seems to suggest yes. That's my opinion. We're going to keep showing you everything we can, so stand by, and there's a lot more to come. More reports. Is stop raising slow? Час, час пятнадцать, прилетело два снаряда, два огромных взрыва было. Вот. Дом содрогнулся зеленым золотом. 
Now I'll just. I think there's one more part I was going to show. It, it, he doesn't break down. Uh, well, you know what? I did, I forgot to check the subtitles here. Oh yeah, look at that. Here, let's see what she has to say. I'll read it to you for those in the podcast. So he's asking this woman, "What happened around one to one thirty? Two large shells landed. We there were two big explosions. My house was shaking." And this is this is a civilian in the, the Donbass region. I live over there in the White House with a green fence. He says later we found out that she says it was the school. My daughter went to check it check it in the morning. Shell crater is not big. Seems like it was is a diversionist because it, if it was the hundred fiftieth or hundred twentieth shell, then there would be no half of the school. So was it Ukrainian diversionists? Of course. Ukrainian diversionists shell us very often, especially during 2015, 2016. Half of the villages burned down. Look there. There are no windows. Guys, this is civilian locations. This doesn't happen by accident, right? This is what I need people to understand. Now, you could argue it's happening in reverse. I would love to see evidence of it, okay? So what we're seeing here is evidence on the ground of civilians, and you can find the same stuff from, from uh, plenty of other people where they are saying for this entire eight-year period, they have been attacked, bombed, threatened, ethnically cleansed. Like this, directly attacking the schools, aiming for these bombing civilian locations. And nobody cares. So if I'm not, if you, you can, I, I ask you to question this. Do, do, you, do your due diligence. But if you're ignoring this, not looking into it and taking it face value and narrative without any evidence to back it up, you're ignoring evidence in lieu of narrative. Think about that. Then it goes on to say, and there is a shell crater. Can you show us the crater? Yes, there's a crater. Can you come? Hold on. It's the same one I think we just looked at. Oops. Hold on a second now. I'm worried my microphone's going to fall here. <laughs> Okay, I think that's the, the the gist of this in general. I think I just wanted to make sure we saw very clearly. Here we go. Here's the other one. Can you tell us what happened? At night, the explosion happened. I live at the village, so I heard the sound of it. And today in the morning when we came to work at the school, we noticed that our school was damaged. Just so you can hear it. I was just trying to fix this, make sure it wasn't going to fall on me here. Now, going back to what she was saying, I should make sure this is good real quick. Okay, good. <clears throat> all right. So she's saying all the windows blew out. Ukrainian security forces threw some shell at our school. And we thank God that it happened at night and not at daytime when there were students here. Why? Do, and she says, why do you think, uh, where did the shell from? Ukrainian army is shelling. We don't think we are sure because they don't let us live for eight years already. See what I mean, guys? You're not getting this from the, uh, there's not some other argument in regard to well, I, I shouldn't say that. 
There, I'm sure there's plenty of time. Well, I mean, look, you should question this in and of itself because you know, look, he could be lying. This could be an actor. I mean, it's always what you should consider. And I'm, I'm, I mean that. I, I don't believe that because of my due diligence, because of what I've done around this and other people saying these things and other people backing this up on the ground. The point is you should be questioning it, but recognize that you're not going to get the same type of reporting from the other side of it. You're going to get narrative propaganda pieces coming from the Western press with nothing to really back it up. There's a lot in here you can check out. Army, Ukrainian army is shelling the village constantly. A lot of people always suffer here. Ukrainian government, as Zelensky says, that they do not sh- they do not shoot at civilians. What do you say about that? They always lie. That's it. I don't know. Maybe to defend themselves or or to somehow protect themselves. We know that it's them shelling because no one but them can. I don't really understand how they how the Ukrainian people shell the same Ukrainian people as we used to live together and communicate. And now we have the situation that I, I, I have a desire to wish their families to go through the same thing. Uh, and now we have a, this situation that I have a desire to wish their families to go. Through. It seems like she's maybe there's communication error. Can you introduce your, uh, that? That's the gist of it. So here's the other one. So bottom line is these are civilians. They're telling you I'm being attacked, that I know this is happening, that we're suffering and no one cares. Right. Sort of like when the. Palestinians get their families murdered in front of them and they try to speak out about it. And the, the mainstream Western press calls them terrorists. Imagine what that feels like to watch your family get exploded in front of you and then check the media and they're calling you the terrorist, right? That's what that must feel like. Grad rockets we were just discussing, which are the ones we're discussing as the, as the uh, white phosphorus the ones that just loaded. I wanted to play you the one we were just discussing about the, which one was it? Uh, let's see. Shoot. I don't, I'm gonna try, I don't want to try to find that. I had another one open. Oh, well. But see, guys, he's had a lot of good work in here. This constant, day after day. Let's finish this one. This I, I think there's only one part in here. Uh, fire on this right now. Oh, and so to give you the background, by the way, so this is a civilian area, right? And he's a journalist, just so you understand what's happening. And they are openly firing these grad missiles, rockets all over this civilian area, this village where he's reporting. That was we could hear the laundry from uh, Ukraine. It's in and the grad's landing very close. Now we're down in another military bunker, a Ukrainian, former Ukrainian bunker. And by the way, I'll leave it there for you guys. The point is that he's, he's, he's behind this, right? He is, he is following behind this and taking areas that the Russian, or rather that the separatists and Russia are, are, take, are taking. So he's on the ground. Right. Just understand that. Take it with a grain of salt. Right. This could be fake like anything could be fake. But the reality is that you're finding an overwhelming amount of evidence that backs this up, as well as the fact that the history around the people we're talking about also back up what's going on, what they are capable of, what they've done and what's currently happening. 
Very important to understand that. Now, on, in regard to the, the media we're comparing it to, right? This is what we're getting, right? So I feel free to dive through Lancaster's videos and tell me, prove to me where he's faking stuff. Here's where you can prove that the Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian government is actively putting stuff out from the 2014 frame claiming us today. This is just one of the many examples of why we wait days to publish Ukrainian footages. Half of what we posted in the first days ended up being doctored. They required a lot more verification. See, this is the video they're playing. This is 2014. I'll, sh I'll prove this to you in a second, just more than just the video. Here's another one. Same thing. 2014 claiming it's happening today. Look at that. Also, also look at, take note of that being added to it. You see what I mean? They're faking this stuff. They're faking, they're, they're doctoring the footage so it looks like Aziz, Zelensky, I don't know. They're, they're faking this stuff, guys. It's very, very obvious. Here's another interesting point made by Slow News Day. Notice anything? This person says, it's time. if, if Time is going to stage, Time Magazine is going to stage a photo, they might want to tell the soldier to take the cap off his optic. Oops. Right. They lie to you guys. This isn't the production assistant's fault, Steve says, or the cameraman's fault. It's Zelensky's. He was an actor, because he was, by the way, and a comedian, and he was, before getting this gig. He's been on enough sets to know the check to check the props. Guys, he was an actor and a comedian, right? Don't forget that he literally pretended to be a, a, the president before he became the president. This is a absurd false reality show. <laughs> but here we are. Now, finally. A great article, as always, Kit Knightley knocking it out of the park. Seven fake news stories coming out of Ukraine. This is unbelievable, guys. From using things from inside video games, faking the reality. I mean, it just never stops. These are the people your government are supporting, in addition to the fact that they're openly white supremacists. They're lying to you. Verifiably so. Now, if you have evidence of this happening from the side of the Russian media about what Russia's doing, I would love to see it. In no way would it surprise me but I don't have it in front of me. Please send it to me. All those out there, they're going to just go, oh, fake news. I'm genuinely asking, send me something that gives me the same counterbalance and I will talk about it tomorrow. It says every, this is the ghost of Kiev. Every, early Friday morning it was reported that a single Ukrainian plane was patrolling the skies above Kiev. The English speaking press called the unnamed pilot, the ghost of Kiev and claimed he was, he had downed six Russian jets in less than two days. The trouble is there's almost no evidence that it happened at all. To quote Newsweek, there is no evidence that Ghost of Kiev exists. Neither side can confirm Russia has lost six planes in total, let alone to one man inside a single day. And a video alleged to be the ghost in combat shared by the Ukrainian armed forces is confirmed to be actually footage taken from a video game. Guys, this is not a joke. Ghost of Kiev fighter pilot blowing up Russian aircraft in trending clip actually from video game. That's pathetic, but it's real. Verify it for yourself. I have. What's incredible is that this, if you're, I mean, I don't even know what your argument would be. If they're lying about all this stuff, that very clearly suggests that they have to make it up. On top of that, that they're not trustworthy. Nevertheless, he already has his own Wikipedia page. Of course, because Wikipedia is part of the problem. The ghost of Kiev, who doesn't exist, has his own Wikipedia page. That should tell you something. A testament to how fast a lie can move while the truth is putting its boots on. To paraphrase. Oh, I always do that one. I can picture in my head. 
it's the same person who said, you know, if you if you read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you don't, you're mis or you're if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. Somebody give me his name in the chat. That drives me crazy. The writer. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. Somebody give me the chat and I'll shout it out. But a classic quote. The idea is that the whole point is that a lie, well, some paraphrasing, you know, go halfway around the world while the truth's putting its boots on. That's the reality. But Russian planes flying over Kiev. A lot of people have been sharing a short video of Russian planes allegedly flying low over the city of Kiev. The Times used it and is still in their story. Will sanctions stop a Russian cell? And this is, look, this is what they used. Mark Twain, thank you. Mark Twain. My point on this is, is even the arguments of the invasion and this discussion of what's really going on in the video is like, why are we even taking space value? Not to say that there's, uh, there's obviously action happening, but to what degree and how far in and for what area and whether it's just Donbass 4, like it just, it's, there's so much that's been lied about. The problem with this is that it's not Kiev, guys. It's Moscow. And it's not today. It was two years ago. It's footage of what is likely a rehearsal for the 2020 Victory Day Parade flyover. I mean, it's just incredible to me that this continues and we, the, 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 there you go. It's just bad. It's bad. There's right there. Exactly right there. Look at that. Are you serious? These people know they're lying. This was supposed to be Russia flying over Ukraine. Here it is over Russia. Oops. Right. The problem is that how many people out there would never watch this show because they've already been convinced it's fake news. That's how that works. Zelensky, number three, visiting the troops. This whole idea that he was out there on the street fighting with the troops, right? Possibly no politician in history has had a PR makeover quite as fast as Zelensky. Last week, he was just some guy, sort of like Guaido. This week, he's a war hero. That's how that was supposed to go with Guaido, right? There's talk of building statues of the man. A not-at-all staged leaked phone call had him turning down the U.S. offer of an airlift to safety. Twitter is dotted with people sharing photos of him in combat fatigues, comparing him favorably to Trump and Trudeau and asking what other leaders would fight alongside their troops. But, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the problem with that is that the photos are all a year old, taken when he visited the troops last April. Do you realize how easy this stuff is to prove? They don't care. It's just like with COVID. It was that easy too. I guess they don't care anymore. Here he is, April 9th, last year. Here's the link. Wait for it. There he is. Oops. Like, think about how dumb that is. All you have to do is a reverse image search, guys. It's Use tineye.com. It's that simple. And you find the image they're all sharing as him being on the ground right now is absolutely fake. Okay, the Luhansk power station explosion, right? This is why one of these, I didn't report on these. There's plenty of these we hear, right? We hear the breaking news, explosions and here and there. I'm not even covering the breaking, you know, fog of war news right now because it's nonsense. And more than nonsense, some of it, it's unverifiable until well after the fact. That's why the mainstream media loves to go fog of war and report whatever works for their situation. Early on in the confirmation, this video started doing the rounds on social media. It went viral, hundreds of thousands of views, hundreds of share accounts shared, even news major news outlets claiming it's a power station, but showing showing that it exploded in this area, but it did not. It's a chemical plant exploding in China in 2015. 
I mean, this just gets stupider and stupider, right? So my point is, this was shared. Now ask yourself this. We share something that's provable about COVID-19, and it's instantly deleted, right? And the fact checks will report it and be like, this got 20 shares, and look at how far and invasive it is. This is still, this stuff is still going. Think about that. This is still there. It's been provably shown to be fake news, but who cares, right? Who cares? It'll be there indefinitely because it goes along with Twitter's agenda. And I'll show you another point in that regard that they left it up, even though they know it's fake, because it works for them. You've seen them do this where they go, it's fake, but we felt it was good to leave up for other context. Ridiculous. Point being, here is, oh, I have it right here. Oh no, where'd it go? I'm not going to keep all these open. I'll keep all these links, by the way. Oh, here. And I'll keep all the links in here for you to check out. I'm not going to include them in the show notes. It's just on the Off Guardian article. But just see, this this is the explosion. And here, we'll time it up for you, just like we did with the other ones. Look. Ah. Easy. Easy. Isn't that incredible? Now, again, all the credit to this goes to Kit Knightley and Off Guardian. They've knocked this out of the park. Think about how dumb and incredible that is. Video games again. The footage claiming to show Ukrainian for, uh, ground forces downing Russian aircraft went viral. Even on Spanish television. Guess what? It's from a video game. This is really bad. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even look real. You know what I mean? Like, it's just incredible that they're willing to play this game. I mean, that looks like a video game, for crying out loud. Trying to see where they compared. I guess that is the comparison. But anyway, so this is clear. The mainstream media has already grudgingly had to report this is fake. Even though they shared it, talked about it, used it. Russian warships can go F themselves. This was the first major propaganda narrative following Russia's advance into Ukrainian territory, right? Allegedly leaked audio showed Ukrainian border guards on tiny Snake Island in the Black Sea communicating with Russian warships upon being told to surrender. The guards say Russian warships can go F themselves. The Western press reported that all 13 of the men were killed, and the Ukrainian government released a statement saying that they would all be awarded posthumous honors. However, as you already know, while supposedly fallen heroes are being canonized all over Western press, Russia was reporting that they had not been killed at all, but taken alive and unharmed back to the mainland. A story both the press and Ukrainian government have since reluctantly admitted is likely true. On top of it, guess what the part they leave out? Not not this, but the, what, the, what the Ukrainian press and Western press, that they in fact tried to shoot them as they left. They tried to shoot them because they were defecting. They were leaving, or that's as the story goes, right? The bottom line is they just said, well, we killed them all. And faked audio. If there was any honest, even a, a, a modicum of honesty in any of the Western press, this would be all over the whole narrative, and it would be all over the media, however you wanted to take that. And it would be everywhere. There, I mean, this is seven gigantic, obvious fake news stories coming directly to, from the Ukrainian intelligence. And we don't care? Apparently not. Sort of like they don't seem to care about white supremacy and the group they're pretending is their, you know, it's, it's just, it's inherently dishonest. That means they don't care about any of this stuff. It's all about a larger agenda they're using 
They're hiding behind doing the right thing, as they always do. Number seven, Syrian drone strike footage. Another video doing the rounds. And again, shared by official Ukrainian accounts. Was drone footage supposedly showing the destruction of a column of Russian vehicles. It's actually footage of a Turkish drone strike in Syria from 2020. I mean, it's just embarrassing, guys. Really embarrassing. Your governments, if you're supporting this, are wholeheartedly in behind this. Because that's what they do. Someone's asking about the, uh, that's what I, that story I was just referencing right there. It was right here for Dale in the chat. Ukrainians boats attacked ships, evacuating Ukrainian troops who surrounded on Snake Island, right? The narrative went that they all died from the U.S.-Ukrainian narrative, but they didn't. And even Western press has had to admit that. It's embarrassing. My point was they are willing to kill people as they run away, even though they were just moments ago on their own side, even though that's obviously a war crime. And then they lied about it. Now, bringing this over into the denazifying discussion, which is very important to all of this, because I think, I mean, if you want to pretend, if you want to think about the possibility that even though it seems that Ukraine and Russia, it's, I mean, and the U.S. government are on differing agendas here in regard to what's happening in Ukraine, we can't miss that they are seemingly side, uh, aligned in regard to the Great Reset and where that's going. So we have to at least ask the question about whether, I mean, I think it could be as nuanced as saying that there was some sort of a discussion about about creating conflict so that we could pull distraction distract away from the bigger thing that does not mean they're on the same side that does not mean the 8 years of ethnic cleansing that have been going on in the donbass region are not real that's obviously what's been happening and the us government and ukraine are obviously culpable for that but within that if they were to go hey let's let's allow this conflict that's been building to rise so we can distract you. Now, that's possible. But that does not mean from within that that then they wouldn't go, hey, let's screw them over and do this and do that. And then, you know, they have their different agendas from either side. Maybe Russia says, screw it. Let's take advantage and go into Ukraine. All these are possible. But the bottom line is that this has been building and we should ask whether or not there's some aspect of this that's being agreed upon. Now, I don't know how how much I would believe that. It's possible. And I think we should consider it. But if I'm going to be real honest with you, I kind of don't feel that's the case, at least right now. But it doesn't mean that they're not still both aligned in regard to where the Great Reset would go. Because our point we made the other day, if, if we're just talking about governments here, governments want more control over their people. And what does the Great Reset give them? Complete, absolute top-down control. So who cares what side they're coming from? If they get that, I don't know why they wouldn't want it, if you believe that's what they're driving for. But on February 25th, here's what Russia said they were doing. That's the, this is their argument. Doesn't mean it's the reality, but this is what they're saying is happening, right? Whereas the U.S. is saying they're opposite. They're going in there for, you know, because they want to be the Soviet Union again, and they want to take over these and take their territory back because they're bad guys. And, you know, just the same childish, naive narrative, even though these actions right now seem to, in fact, undermine the overall policy of Russia, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all a narrative. Can't argue, can't consider that there's some adge- other argument. In fact, we'll ignore what they actually say because wink, wink, nudge, nudge is what he really means, right? It's not what he's saying or what he's doing. It's what we say he's doing behind the scenes that we can't prove. That's the real story, right? And it could be, but you have to stand back and go, but we can't prove that. And you should ask whether they're lying because they always lie. (laughs) Basic stuff. Putin launches operation to, as he claims, denazify Ukraine and its economic implications. Now, I again argue that the word Nazi was used, I think, very intentionally. Now, it says the special military operation, which was referenced by Robert as well, that's what he's talking about in Ukraine. On the morning of the 24th, 
Russia officially launched a special military operation against Ukraine. That's when this officially kicked off where Russia from Crimea and different areas pushed into Ukraine. And this is um, designed as Russian President Vladimir Putin explained this whole military operation to, quote, demilitarize and denazify the neighboring state. Okay, so you can argue that if if what Russia is saying is true and if what we say about the U.S. and Ukraine is true, that this would make sense. Right. That you have a country that's openly white supremacist, that's basically carrying out ethnic cleansing against Russian people. And that would be a huge threat to a Russian country, right? Obviously. And then even more so when you've got a huge military apparatus before you ever did anything, building up along your borders, flying in F-16s, causing all this crazy stuff, clearly backing this very belligerent government that they're willing to throw at you, knowing that they can get away with doing so and acting like their hands are clean. Well, you can see if that's the reality, which you should question, you can see that there's a logical statement to be made or effort. The same thing the U.S. government would do if this was in reverse, right? If this was in reverse, you know the U.S. government would say, we have to push in to Cuba because they're dangerous. We have to demilitarize them and get rid of their communism because they're bad guys, right? You can see, and everybody would go, oh, yep, yeah, of course, because bad guy, right? Without any evidence. And even though we've got evidence right now, the people don't want to consider that possibility. Now, so the goal of the operation is to protect the people of Donetsk and Lugansk people's republics, the Donbass region. Okay, so that's what he's saying. What he's done so far seems to back that up. Doesn't mean that there's not some other agenda in how he's taking territory and resources of Ukraine. I promise that's on the table. There's obviously a benefit to it, even if they're, quote, doing the right thing, if you think that's what's happening. But he's saying, I'm doing this to protect them and to get rid of the, the... white supremacist threat that we know as a fact is there and to demilitarize them, which would make sense because we know they're a regime that's been put in place by their enemy, right? I mean, this is very basic stuff. Now, the U.S. just says, nope, that's not happening. It's only about taking the country and building the Soviet Union because he's belligerent and maybe has a brain tumor because he's acting crazy, which is just nonsense. This whole argument about him, Putin acting different is just subjective. Great journalism, mainstream press corporate press. Great job. Let's wax intellectual for hours about how something we don't know and can't prove. (laughs) That's classic mainstream media for you. But my point is simply that if you can't prove it and we have the evidence and and he says this and the actions backing it up, then you walk away going, well, that may be the case. Until I have evidence, I'm going to take at face value what we can see and what he's saying and question whether you could be lying. Now it says experts interviewed by, uh, Izvestia believe that the Russian military can complete the operation in five days. That does not seem to be what's going to happen based on most assessments. They're not really going to plan. But the bottom line is the exact thing that we pointed out before this ever happened, right? Right in the beginning, when they were just simply still saying, a Russian invasion is imminent, which then they took action to drive into reality. Let's not forget that. And we're taking that action before it ever started to drive it into reality. And that's why the Ukrainian intelligence said, they're about to do the thing we want them to do, right? But the point is that I came out long before this, but Whitney wrote about this. I talked about this long before this ever even came in the, before 2022, long before this, because it was relevant to the previous regime change. But now before this came back up again, we were doing shows about this exactly, right? You saw this talk in this, this was one of them right here. This was the lies, hype, lies, and psyops discussion. We talked about the shared values of the Azov Battalion. And that's a good point. I might as well bring that one up too, since the point is defense 
Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin said on October 19th, 2021, which interestingly enough was very closely timed to when they carried this out and put F-16s over to the side of Russia, right? He said, I want to commend Ukraine's brave men and women in uniform, the white supremacists, who continue to stand up to defend our shared values and our core democratic principles. Okay, so now as we get into proving these people are the opposite of what they say they are, just make sure you understand that the U.S. government said we share values with these people. Don't forget that. So here is the one I've read before to first go into just read a couple paragraphs from for those that might not have seen it, because this is important, not because it's main corporate media, but because it's February 28th, excuse me, uh, it's because it's January 5th, 2022. And right this moment, the Western press is kind of spinning back around to argue this is fake news as they moments ago were pointing at the same threat because they already thought their marching orders were to sell you on the white supremacist domestic threat. So fine, point at Ukraine. The Ukraine's over there rising the threat for us at home. But suddenly on a dime, it's don't talk about that anymore and point out about how the Azov Battalion's not even really white supremacists anymore. You can't make both arguments. You can't a month ago argue that they're a big threat and that literally that a battalion is the big threat. And now today argue that we're all fake news for saying that they're a threat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this in the next segment right now, how very obvious this is. For those that have seen it, we'll go through this quick. A year after 1-6, right, the January 6th, the, they're trying to frame it with 9-11, Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right to fight Russia. That's right now what they'd say is not happening. Train for violence at home. Now, there's a lot more in here. This is the battalions we're talking about. I was almost going to use this picture today. But here's the point. While the high-stakes diplomacy surrounding these events has been highlighted, this is, remember, before, this is the beginning of the year, including President Biden's talks with Vladimir Putin and Zelensky, the darker side of the resistance against the Russia-aligned insurgency, which is what they're calling the Donbass people, Donbass people, the darker side of the Ukraine resistance, remains active in the shadows. Okay, so... As early as last month, here's Newsweek basically going, we know they're bad people, we know that they're active, and we know they're white supremacists. Right, but but now it's fake news. Cool. Investigative journalist Olensky Kuzmenko is among the leading figures bringing this lurking reality to light. He specializes in research on Ukraine's internationally active far right, as well, internationally active, right? So as they're right now pretending this is one volunteer group that's a small part of this, They're ignoring the international active association and web that goes into multiple countries, including the U.S., and ties back to the interior of the ministry, to the National Guard, and everything else. Looks like Super U and Rockfin not working today. That's fantastic. Apologize for those watching on those platforms. Yep. Dang it, man. Super U stopped. So it looks like Rockfin might as too. Okay, that's too bad. Well, please in the chat, give people... Help people find the other locations. Please jump over to SuperU. Give them the links to somewhere else. Odyssey, preferably. Let them go there, please. Anyway, internationally, is quite a bit different than one small volunteer battalion, right? But it says, as well as its access to the Western military training. I already showed you that's happening as of this month. (laughs) Right this moment. They're training people. But it says that is provided to the Ukrainian Armed Forces which, by the way, are immersed with this problem. So your government is training them just like they train the 
you know, what do they call them? I forget what they call them in Syria now. Western-backed rebels, I guess now, right? Which were terrorists. We know that now. Same thing that's happening here. I don't know why we can't wrap our minds around this. Kuzmenko has published a number of materials on the matter in outlets such as Bellingcat, right? Bellingcat, of all people, which should make you highly suspicious, right? The group that was, you know, basically towing the line. My point is this was towing the line before this switch. Before now, we're supposed to say no fake news. It's not white supremacists because we're supporting them against bad guy Russia. Now, just wait for it. Once that goes away, they're gonna it's gonna swing back around and say, oh, oh, oh it's probably they're probably gonna blame Russia for making it happen or something stupid like that. The point is, this is the reality. He he wrote about this for Bell and Cat, Atlantic Council, Atlantic Council, all the problems, right? He argued that, quote, the proliferation of white nationalist ideology in the military and the security forces of Ukraine is an understudied topic. It's not just one group. It's the entire military, the proliferation of this ideology in the military and the entire security forces of Ukraine. This is a leading expert on this topic, writing for gigantic outlets of the mainstream media. Think about how real that is. Moderate rebels. Thank you. Moderate rebels. Right? so stupid. And they're terrorists. They still are. Just think about how crazy this is. Right this moment, they're lying to you about this whole thing. And realize this is a big thing, guys. I promise you this is going to become, based on where this is already gone, my gut's telling me this is the new Syria. This is the new agenda. Whether And hopefully we can stop it. Hopefully enough people come aware of it and they shift gears because this is problematic. Because this is aimed at you. Don't forget that. Since the 2014 Maiden Revolution, he says, and remember the Maiden Revolution is what even Ukrainian intelligence reported this was Western-backed snipers. And we just showed you the breakdown, very well done by Storm Clouds Gathering. They admitted it. Newland admitted it. They know that this were was not the Ukraine government at the time. This was the regime change government. That's the point. It was backed by the U.S. The U.S. mercenaries were the ones doing this. They know that. It's on the record. Just like Syria, just like other places we've talked about. Just like they tried to do in Venezuela. But since that false flag, the government, military, and security forces have, as the leading expert writes in the beginning of 2022, institutionalized in its ranks former militias and volunteer battalions linked to neo-Nazi ideology. Institutionalize that. Without screening for extremist ties or views, their integration has not led to the depolitization and or dissolution once incorporated. So what they're trying to argue now is, no, that was a battalion that was there back then, but they've been pulled into the government and it's no longer there. Not true. 100% not true. The larger body of the government, military, and security forces, right? So it's been incorporated into the larger body of the government, military, and security forces, says the leading expert on the topic. He cites as a prominent example, of course, the Azov Special Operations Detachment also known as the Azov Battalion or the Azov Regiment. It was also it was established. This is such an important point, guys. Even back in the beginning was what they try to point to. It, when this first started, this was literally established by the Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior after the conflict broke out in 2014. Right, so this is a group that was created when the regime change began by the new government and has stayed to this time. My gut tells me this was the point. This was initiated immediately, possibly was meant to be used back then. And it's stayed ever since. And this was initiated by the regime change puppeteers. Via Azov's political wing, 
the National Core Party, right? So when you hear the National Core Party and these different things, that's the Azov Battalion Wing. And it goes into all these groups, the right sector, the uh, Sabata we just talked about in the beginning with, with uh, Storm Clouds Gathering. It's immersed. It says that when the Azov's political wing, the National Core Party, described by researchers as neo-Nazi, Kuzmenko added, quote, the movement has gone international on multiple fronts. Known contacts in Germany's neo-Nazi third path America's rise above movement, which they try to frame as right leaning and Trump supporting, right? Can we, but are we going to pretend that? Looks okay. Just a quick side thought. If there, this is a group right now being framed in the United States as Republican leaning, white supremacist, a threat, domestic terrorism, right? But can you not trace back the funding of this all the way back to 2014, the regime change in Ukraine, where they built this and then off and then sourced this out to the U.S.? Is that not what we're literally talking about? Could that not have been the impetus for exactly what we're seeing in the U.S. that led to the the push into claiming it was happening in Trump supporters? I mean, come on. Whether or not you think it's really happening in politics in regards to Trump you know, left versus right, the reality is this Rise Above movement is a part of the Azov Battalion that was funded by the original government and regime change in 2014. That You're watching this continue to be built. Now, it's also Italy's Casa Pond, right? So Azov Battalion, one small volunteer group or an international wing being driven by outside forces. Also with less scrutinized international contacts via other branches of the movement. That's my point. Like the right, the right sector, the Georgia Battalion, all of these. Neither the Azov Regiment nor the National Corps responded to Newsweek's request for comment. I wonder why. The Ukrainian Foreign Ministry also didn't respond. As Kuzmenko points out, the U.S. government, Biden's government, has long recognized the danger posed by this regiment. For example, language introduced in 2018 to the government spending bill basically maintained that they wouldn't be arming them, except they continue to arm the Ukrainian government, which continues to arm the Azov Virginia. It's a stupid recite. It's a sidestep. They knew that. They knew it then. They know it now. That's why this is an important part. The Azov regiment's active far-right recruiting efforts were also brought to the attention of the Biden administration recently. This is the craziest part to me. They're right now pretending like this is fake news. Oh, of course. You know what, guys? That's crazy to me. There was a link there before. There was a link and it's no longer there. I wonder why. Maybe because, I don't know, they don't want you to see this now. Just my thoughts. Either way, the point was, for those in the podcast, it was brought to the attention of Biden's administration in the beginning of the year by Democratic Representative Elisa Slotkin. She brought a letter to Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State told him that these people are de- are terrorists, told him that these people are white supremacists. And guess what? They didn't care. How could it be fake news if a month ago, one of the representatives of the U.S. government brought them a letter and said, these are dangerous people? The State Department sent a brief reply to Newsweek's request for comment on whether the presence of this far-right element, it's 100% factual, with, or the uh, allied with Ukraine's armed forces, or the travel of U.S. citizens to join this group, was a concern for Biden's administration. You know, while he's framing an entire administration around a war on domestic terrorism for the very thing that he's fighting alongside. Guess what they said? The United States has committed to Ukraine's sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity in the face of unprovoked Russian aggression. Oh, so you don't care. So you're just going to pretend it's all about sovereignty while you're literally violating everyone's sovereignty all around the world. Right. The issue has proven a sensitive subject for other arms of the U.S. government as well, right? Because the Department of Homeland Security whose former acting secretary, Kevin McAllenon, 
discussed tracking the activities of U.S. citizens suspected to have far-right forces in Ukraine back in 2019. Monitoring you and where you go in regard to that. Doesn't that also see? Think about that. So they arm a group which bleeds into the United States. Then they track you for, I guess, being a right-leaning person. That's how that works. But that person who clearly is pointing at that dangerous group over there, why it's a problem, didn't respond to comment because you're not supposed to talk about it right now. Both the FBI and the Department of Justice, who know well this has been a problem, are quiet all of a sudden, declined to comment. Kuzmenko criticized what he said, what he saw as indifference of the U.S. government to the status quo, which the expert sees as a status quo in Ukraine. Not one battalion, not just the military, but a status quo in Ukraine, the expert says. And he saw that continuing to provide military assistance is a problem, an issue seemingly compounded by a growing trend in Ukraine toward romanticizing fascism. Now, my point in this is, this, this is the group, by the way. I, could, I had a video I might have gotten rid of, but you can show, no, I think I still have it in there. It shows you all these people marching through the streets in football games, stomping up and down and calling them Moscow's and saying, you know, it's, they, they do, they have a, a, this is racism against Russian people. That's what it is. But that's a different topic in regard to this article. This is simply framing the reality of that threat a month ago. And the problem is that they said then it was a real threat. No one wanted to comment. And now we're pushing in under a guise that they're protecting those people and that you're the bad guy. Here's 2019. Same thing. Voice of America. Aggressive propaganda. White supremacists lead new wave of foreign fighters. Lead lead a new wave. Okay, so you're oh, it's okay that you can come out and argue that no, it's 2019. So it's not some volunteer battalion from 4 years ago. No, no, no. They're now leading the new wave. But we're now seconds later calling this fake news, even even Voice of America. Why? Because they're garbage propaganda and they do not care if they contradict their own articles from moments ago. As I've shown you before, here's children being armed by what? Who's saying this? Euro news. Ukraine far-right group offers training to civilians. What? You mean the group that you're pretending isn't there? This was, this, this was February 13th. They're reporting that the Azov Battalion is literally training and arming civilians on the ground, which, by the way, is what I just showed you, which is, by the way, being done alongside U.S. personnel. Do you not see how clear this is and how easy this is to prove? It's literally telling you, for those in the podcast, this is Euronews reporting. Members of Ukraine's Azov movement, their far-right movement, are right now training civilians in Mariupol. This is the place we just talked about, where the Russians were pushing in. Why? They claim they're fighting Nazism. Doesn't that seem to back up? And then you point, oh, th- th- then you point over here and you realize that these are, here, I'll just switch this one, that these are U.S. forces on the ground. As of February 15th. This is the Ukrainian Revolutionary War. Six. American combat veterans train Ukrainian civilians for war. There's multiple clips in here. Alongside the same people we're talking about. Right? There's your one of your veterans. There's multiple veterans here. Let's not pretend. I mean, it's ridiculous to pretend it's not by design. But here is a commander of the Georgian National Legion, right? One of the groups we already showed you is clearly tied to this whole problem. Right there, openly, February 15, 2022, training alongside U.S. troops on the ground. And that's okay? Like, think about, think about the idea of, like, the way they frame, like, ISIS, for instance. 
people running over there to fight alongside ISIS. Well, somebody may see what they're doing as freedom fighting, wouldn't they? But see, it's all subjective. I'm not saying I suggest that. My simple point is it's all perspective and who the person is. In this case, I just proved to you these are horrible people doing terrible things. That doesn't mean it's not happening on the other side, but we can prove that. So why is your government okay working alongside them? Because they always are, which proves to you that they do not care about the things, they, the morals and the, the values they claim they're fighting for. They clearly said we share the values of these people. At least that's what they said. So in the same group, in the same location where they're saying far-right groups training civilians, that's this, guys. Same group, same place, same people. Oops. You're right, it's far-right. They just don't want to say that here. Here is 2018. Azov, Ukraine's most prominent ultranational group. Wait a minute, I thought they were just a really small volunteer group that went away earlier. No, here we are. Most prominent. And guess what? Sites set its sights on US and Europe. Well, we know that. They've already got groups all over the world. Oops. <laughs> that was probably the plan. Like, how can you call this out then and not real? I mean, just this is bad. This is really bad. Everything about this is clumsy and falling. It's just like with the COVID stuff. I don't know why. Just my opinion. Now, here's another part of this that I think is really ridiculous. We've seen this whole thing about people defecting and going over to fight for the Ukrainians. That, that's actually what this whole thing is about. They're over here going, we're going to fight for these people. You know, these, these people, this is their, this is their independence day and they're fight. What are you talking about? Ukraine is not declaring independence from anybody. Realize this isn't 2014, guys. This is 2022. How clumsy it is to argue this is a deck. This is their independence. It's not independence to try to force people back into your country. That's ridiculous. If Ukraine was defecting from Russia, that would be something else. If Ukraine are not defecting, but, you know, seceding. If Ukraine was pulling away from the Donbass region, that would be something else. This is like calling evacuations a false flag. It's like they don't even know what they're talking about anymore. It can't be their Independence Day when they're the ones subjugating people. It's just ridiculous. My point, though, is this is happening. And this is what they're going to do. Go fight alongside white supremacists openly. But I don't know whether I believe that I, this doesn't pass a smell test for me. This sound this seems like a, dis, a really obvious propaganda coming from Sky News. But check this out. Quote, I've come to join the Ukraine army or whatever they are called. That's what this guy's doing. Yeah, we've come to, um, to join the Ukrainian army or whatever they're called. Oh, okay. What are they called? Huh? The foreign legion, yeah? Okay, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What nationality are you? British. And what's made you want to come here? They look like they need help. We're young, strong, fit men. We can help, so why not? Do you have any military expertise? Absolutely none at all, no. Uh, email, the letter from this address, yeah. and uh, he contacted with you and said what you must do. Okay, so now he's given us these details which we're now going to read. Um, and somehow they're going to tell us what we need to do from here on. Why have you decided to come down here today? Well, um, trying to make a difference. Uh, seen on the news, uh, innocent people losing their lives. Are you prepared? And this is what it's like to be, and if these people are real, what it's like to be blindly taken by the mainstream media. Are there not people dying in Donbass? Do they not matter? And I apologize if the clip is low. I forgot to download this one. But it's just so frustrating that they, you know, these, if this is real, these people are completely taken by this. And you're, you're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to go volunteer to go fight alongside a puppet government that's verifiable. 
who was openly on this, it was clearly verifiably on the side of murdering people in that square to be able to justify their actions, who are now openly white supremacist. I mean, that, that other guy's probably not going to fit in quite well, is he? Sure, he won't find that out until far too late. The problem is, I don't believe this at all. This, this is about, this is war propaganda, just like with Iraq, just like with COVID-19. It is all propaganda, guys. Here is 2022, February 16th. February 16th, right? So this is February February 1st, or excuse me, January 5th. Going forward, this is February 2nd, or excuse me, February 13th, excuse me, that's what I was thinking. February 13th, where they're saying, oh, look at all far-right bad guys training civilians. Here is two days later, three days later, checks at UK airport over what? Fears that far-right extremists may travel to Ukraine? So why is that exactly? Why would they travel to Ukraine? Because they, I mean, how, how can you possibly make these arguments simultaneously? It says British authorities have concerns about neo-Nazis seeking weapons training and military experience. Uh, okay. You, I'm not suggesting that these guys are alt-right, but this is, they're running over there to do what? To get weapons training and experience, which is exactly what this is. That's what they're doing right there, which is exactly what this is. And they're calling them far-right groups to train civilians. This is the Azov Battalion training people. They all know this. It's very clear. All the evidence you need, even in the mainstream media, for crying out loud. And yet, simultaneously, we can pretend that we're debunking that this is a Nazi problem, which they're using the word Nazi to do that, and I'll get to that next. And disregarding the white supremacist discussion, even though they're simultaneously maintaining the threat and the fear that you may run over there because you're a white supremacist. So why in the world would you go over there if there's not a white supremacist problem? Because you just like to see Ukraine? So why would white supremacists suddenly flock to Ukraine? Just because it's a beautiful country, right? I mean, I can't even make it. It's just stupid. They're going there. At least the narrative spins it as they're going there because they're a white supremacist area. Or at least there's a white supremacist hub there. That's the, oh, there's no other way that makes sense. And yet now they're pretending that we're crazy for calling it that. <laughs> I mean, just good God. I can't, I feel like they've broken themselves. Sort of like how YouTube broke themselves to censor us. The media, I feel like they broke their brains. This is just pathetic to me. Also on a point, make sure you recognize that I found this ridiculous, by the way. This is 2017. California National Guard and Ukrainian forces, so white supremacists, maintain partnership program. <laughs> of course they do. Of course, California of all places. You work, the National Guard of California working alongside the white supremacist Ukrainian forces that we just proved to you are undeniably white supremacists. Oh, in case you forgot, here is... McCain and Graham speaking to those same people, the exact same battalion in 2017. I admire the fact that you will fight for your homeland. Your fight is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. Our fight is not with the Russian people, but with Putin. Our promise to you 
is to take your calls to Washington. Inform the American people of your bravery. And make the case against Putin to the world. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. Я вірю в те, що ви виграєте, переможете. Я переконаний в тому, що ви переможете, і ми вам допоможемо всіма можливими засобами. And we have succeeded not because of equipment, but because of your courage. Ви успішні не через обладнання, але через вашу відважність. I thank you and the world is watching. And the world is watching because we cannot allow Vladimir Putin to succeed here because if he succeeds here he will succeed in other countries now obviously that's ridiculous i mean there there the narrative there was like we're going to throw you at russia right there's no provocation there there wasn't they're just going to we're going to we need to take out russia right they're bad guys so my point here is that don't forget that that obviously McCain was a central player in the manipulation around Syria and ISIS in general, right? It was all these pictures of them standing alongside the founding, huge founding and leading members of ISIS, standing around side, like literally ISIS members standing outside of U.S. aid tents, for crying out loud. I mean, there's plenty of evidence around this. And I think he was involved with building both of these things. They're building their very insurgency, their very threats they use to then justify their actions. McCain was a central player in that. My point is, here's the California National Guard. I mean, it's just incredible. But here, a couple more points that I want to bring this into the current situation before we wrap up with the last points. Doesn't mean there's probably another hour left. But not really. I think it's probably less than that. But here are some reality points that are current that you can verify for yourself. Okay? So right now, they're trying to undermine all this as some small fringe thing. And as not, these people aren't what they say they are, Right? Here is Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera first saying Ukrainian fighters, not just one group or the other, but their National Guard, grease bullets against Chechnyans with pig fat. The point is there's Muslims, right? A, sh- a video shared by the National Guard showed them dipping bullets to be used against Muslims in pig fat. So the point being, obviously, if you're a Muslim, you understand that because that's a huge deal. Right, that's a big violation to them religiously. Like that—that that means I, don't, I actually don't fully understand what that would mean in regard to like if they, I believe if they died and they wouldn't go where they think they should go. I'm not a su- I'm not super under. I don't. I'm not immersed in that in the understanding around the religion. But what I do know is that that's a big deal, and that that's the only reason you would do something like that is because you hate those people, because you want them to suffer, because you want them to be unhappy, because you're a racist or because you are a nationalist or however you want to frame that. Like I'm trying to use their talking points, right? But regardless, this is a this this is what they're these are the kind of people that we're talking about that the U.S. government doesn't want you to see that they're bla- they're backing, funding, and supporting. The National Guard of Ukraine has shared a video on its Twitter account that appears to show specifically Azov fighters greasing bullets with pig fat, ostensibly to be used against Muslim Chechens deployed to their country as Russia steps up its military assault on Ukraine. Okay, here's the clip. In here, I'll show it to you right on Twitter. 
So this is important, guys. This is literally, here's the, this is what kills me about this stuff, by the way. This is a tweet that they go, oh, it violates the rules of hateful content. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public interest for the tweet to remain accessible, which I agree with, but I don't agree. I don't think I agree with it for the reason they agree with it. I think there's a reason they want this to be seen. I don't know why. I just think it's ridiculous that it, they get to subjectively choose whether they're going to delete it or not. The point is, this is the National Guard of Ukraine account. You can see the blue check. Okay, It's the National Guard. It's not the Azov Battalion account. It's the National Guard of Ukraine. It says, Azov fighters of the National Guard. Just so they make sure we clear that up right now. Not a small volunteer battalion by itself. Even on my point, I, I do, as I understand it, the Azov Battalion is volunteer. But my point is not to say, is to say that it's only that. That it's only some small fringe volunteer thing that's not immersed with the government. It's intertwined with the National Guard, with the military, as we just read to you from the expert from the beginning of the year. Okay, so my point is the National Guard is not some small thing. The Azov fighters are immersed with this. They are greasing the bullets with lard before they basically before they carry out this attack on Muslims because that's a and you can see it. They're doing it right in front of you. Why would you possibly do that? The obvious, guys. The obvious. These are bad people. Vindictive bad people. Now here is. Uh, who was this again? Contributing editor for Nova. And I'm sure I'm not familiar with the media reporting the Ukrainian National Guard sharing explicitly racist propaganda. But it's interesting how she says from the Azov movement, which, again, that's not what they even said. I, we need to understand the Azov battalion is not some small thing. See, and it, what she links to is, is the reality. It was born in 2014 during the outbreak of the war. In order, and this was in order to fight Russian-backed rebels. It was put on by the U.S. government, by the puppet government, then a volunteer regiment, today part of the National Guard, part of a broad movement comprising political parties. This is Wikipedia for crying out loud. Yet it's fake news. As others have said, Russia exaggerates the role of the far right in Ukraine, but Western media coverage mostly ignores it so as to avoid copying Kremlin talking points. Like, this is the problem. Now, does Russia exaggerate it? As far as I can tell, not even remotely. But you should question whether they do. And I do. I ask myself whether they could be blowing this up to be able to justify what they're doing. I would need proof to point that out. But my point is simply that what I can prove on the other side of it, what I just did, is very clear that it's not being overblown at all. But here we are. And here is today, or rather this week, this is what the Western press is doing. Putin's Nazi rhetoric reveals his terrifying war aims in Ukraine. Okay, so instead of even going into his argument, instead of even trying to explain why he might have made that argument, all they do is give you the wink-wink, nudge-nudge, 40-paragraph article about what he really means. I'm not even making that up. Russia's president says he wants to, the denazification of Ukraine. Guess what, though? That actually means regime change. This is my point. How embarrassing for Vox or anybody else. You, I mean, you've literally watched regime change carry out over the decades from U.S. government while towing their line. It's for freedom, and then they destroy freedom, right? It's for democracy, and then they destroy it all. It's for this, and they have open slaves, right? It's for that, and we steal all the resources, right? But then you still, you still tow it every single damn time. This time, though, it hasn't even played out yet, and you, and you could acknowledge there is a threat there, but nope, it's just regime change, because that's what we're supposed to say. But you won't even throw, show a hint of that in the reverse. It's just so embarrassing. It says, as Russia bombs pound Ukraine, 
okay, of course, not talking about the other side of it as as Russian bombs pound Ukraine and Ukraine bomb pound schools over there in Donbass. Nope, not that part of it though. And as soldiers pour into Ukrainian territory, which pour pouring into Ukraine. Same thing I framed in the beginning of it. They framed this as pouring into Ukraine before that even started. I made that clear. Because the question on everyone's mind is why? What does Russia hope to accomplish with a massive invasion? Well, guess what? They don't really get into that. They just go, ah, here's why. Because regime change. Because bad guy. I'm, this is seriously, like, if you weren't really going to pose a question about why they might want to do it, you should probably try to counterbalance your propaganda and be like, well, here's what they say they're doing. Here's what they believe. Here's what his argument is. They're there to save people from bad guy. Nope, nope. Don't even, don't even give you their argument. It says, ultimately, quote, we will strive for the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine, as well as bringing to justice those who committed numerous bloody crimes against civilians. They state what he says, and that's it. There's no discussion about what, the, you know, see what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. On its face, that sounds attached from reality. That's, that's the counterbalance. That's it. How is that attached from reality? We just proved to you all of this. There is no ongoing genocide in Ukraine, period. That's the, that's the extent that they go into it. Oh, you mean the 14,000 people? No, no, fake news. What about the schools? No, fake news. None of it even happened. You know what that sounds like? Syria. You know what it sounds like? Iraq. You know what it sounds like? Afghanistan. You know what it sounds like? Every other location where they go, nope, nope, fake news, nothing happening, nothing to see here. And then 20 years later, we look back and go, whoo, that was bad. Look at all the depleted uranium used. Look at all the civilians killed. Look at all the war crimes committed, right? Yep, every single one of them as I just briefly pointed out in the beginning of the show, where we are now allowed to talk about these things, right? Oh, they use white, white phosphorus in Yemen. Yeah, we were, we'll do something about it. No, we won't. Oh, yeah, yeah, they used to plead uranium back in Iraq. We knew it then, but we weren't reporting it then. Now we'll report it because we, see what I mean? Bad. These are bad people, including the, mil- the, the propagandized uh, media that toes the line. But he goes on to say, while there are government-aligned fascist militias, and all they're talking about, they try to downplay it in Ukraine, ones that have risen in influence since the uh, pro-Western Euro-maiden uprising in 2013, the Ukrainian government itself is not even close to a Nazi regime. Now, note that they use Nazi regime. Because all they're talking about is the Nazi political party regime of the World War II idea. Not that they're not white supremacist, not that they're not carrying out white supremacist ethnic cleansing, or that they're very radical, or that they're war right, or whatever you want to say, simply that they're not close to what we picture in our minds of a Nazi regime from World War II. That's how they play the game. Now, of course, when you click the link, this is what it takes you to. A donation page from Freedom House, right? Because, of course, why source your claims in mainstream media? Because you don't need to source facts. We just toe the line and ask you to donate, right? The country's president, Zelensky, is Jewish, they say. He speaks proudly of how his Jewish grandfather fought against Hitler's army. Why does that have any relevance to what we're talking about? Oh, that's right, because all they're framing it is Nazis and Jewish people. Can you, are are there white supremacists that exist outside of that paradigm? Obviously. Are there Jewish people that worked with the Nazis during World War II? Yes. But apparently they can't think past that hard dynamic and they're going, no fake news because no, Jewish Nazis don't work together. He speaks proudly of this, but with the seemingly absurd rhetoric being from Putin's side, right? That the white supremacists in Ukraine are white supremacists. Absurd. Putin is laying the propaganda groundwork for the overthrow of the government. Oh, are you even going to try to explain why that makes sense? 
Like, look, the argument is that you just say he's going after Ukraine. So when you just end up finding the conclusion that it ends up being the overthrow is the nar- is the narrative, well, people just go, oh, well, of course, because we know he's trying to overthrow Ukraine. Where is the connection there? Right? Where he's saying, we're going to go after the Nazis, but it's really just to lay in the groundwork to invade. To what? I mean, it's like their whole argument is about trying to frame why. They start off by going, well, why is he doing it? To take Ukraine, dummy, don't you know? That's that's what they do. Same with COVID. You dumb, stupid idiot. You don't know just because the narrative, didn't you hear? Because the CDC told us, you dumb, stupid idiot. It's always like that. They want to shout you down for being a critical thinker. U.S. intelligence has, and by the way, I should always say that I, I don't, shouldn't have to, but today we will, that that does not mean inherently that Putin is telling the truth or that Russia is doing the right thing or so on. It just has to be obvious that these media apparatus and the U.S. government are lying in every possible way. Or at the very least, only giving you a very small port of the, part of the story. Now, it says U.S. intelligence, which we should question about everything, including, I mean, Russiagate alone, but their entire history of existence. We should question what follows this when you see U.S. intelligence has warned, we should be probably not <laughs> after that, that Putin aims to topple Ukraine's government. Okay, why exactly? Because they want to be Soviet Union. Okay, why though? What, he just, he just woke up tomorrow, yesterday, and said, I want to go back to Soviet Union. Maybe. But doesn't their logic, isn't their policy? Yes. There's inner workings of governments to act like this is Putin wanting to be Soviet Union. That's all you need is just stupid. That's why Robert framed it as a childish, naive statement. But of course, their U.S. intelligence is warning with no evidence, as always, that he wants to topple Ukraine, round up Ukrainians to be killed or sent to camps. You know why they said that? Because they want you to think Nazi. They want to frame him as the bad guy Nazi because, no, no, he's a Q. He's the Nazi classic. He's pointing to white supremacists and all they do is, no, you are. Accuse them of that which you are guilty. Sent to camps? Where'd that even come from? Did he, did he say that? No, he didn't. So when he says, we won't overthrow Nazis in the country and liberate the, the people that want to be liberated, they go, oh, I hear what he's saying. Wink, wink. Kill and send to camps. I hear you, Putin. I mean, that's literally what's happening. Could that be true? Of course it could. But don't we need evidence today? I'd like to think your answer would be yes. The word demilitarization, here's the worst part. Hints, the word demilitarization hints at the real reasons he's willing to do this. Because he wishes to end Ukraine's status as an independent sovereign state. Okay, well, that is one of many things that the word demilitarization means, or it could just mean demilitarizing a dangerous person that's right on your border that's being driven and thrown against you. Both, one of the two could be true. You should consider both of them. But when you're simply going, well, he said demilitarization, therefore he means an aggressive overthrow of the government and send them all to camps. You should ask if there's anything even remotely that backs that up with evidence. What's funny is I'm, you know, I know that the people listening to this that don't want to hear that, they just think I'm the dumbest person alive because because it's Putin. You, he's a he's a bad guy. He's saying demilitarization. He's carrying out acts that seem to be in that line. You could argue he's doing it advantageously and taking territory, but how can you say killing people, sending to camps, and it's just about removing their independence? These are just subjective intention. These are points being laid on top of what's happening by people that are selling you what they think. There's nothing to back that up. It drives me crazy. Here is unpacked. Can Ukraine have a Nazi problem with a Jewish president? (laughs) Yes. Now, the point is, remove the word Nazi, and it becomes very clear. This is a play on words and a manipulation of your, 
the people's programmed unwillingness to to tap into this conversation. You're supposed to be scared of this conversation. You're supposed to run away from this because you're not allowed to talk about it. Because if you talk about it from a nuanced perspective, they'll call you a racist. They'll call you an anti-Semite. If you're an honest person, you shouldn't be afraid of that. Because I'm not an anti-Semite. In fact, I stand up for literally everybody that doesn't have a voice, including Jewish people, including Palestinians, including anybody around the world, because they're all over, including the Orthodox Jews in Israel that actively get attacked and suppressed just like people around the world because they don't agree with the Zionist agenda, right? They understand that this Judaism has been hijacked by the Zionist agenda, and that's what they'll tell you, the Orthodox Jewish community. But I'm an anti-Semite, apparently. So too they would be, right? That doesn't make sense, though. My point is simply this. That you could see how they've turned this conversation into an off-limits category. And so when you poke into this and go, yes, this guy, whether he's Jewish or not, can very clearly be white supremacist. How about the fact that right now you're literally staring at an openly Jewish supremacist government of Israel that does nothing to do with the argument of Jewish good, bad, or whatever else. I'm talking about the government of Israel and how they very clearly have a supremacist mentality that doesn't then immediately represent every Jewish person in the country. It represents what they as a government are using to manipulate those Jewish people and the rest of the world around it. There's plenty of Jewish people that don't agree with that. My simple point here is that he as a Jewish person has is no bearing on whether he's leading a government, especially as a puppet of the U.S. government, that is openly allowing white supremacy to be used against its enemies or used by its enemies, in fact, when you think about it correctly. My point is it would be used as a, uh, what's, the, what's the right term for it? It would be a false flag, essentially. Right. So even Israel would pretend to be fighting these people because they're bad guys, but they would use them in places they want to go into sort of how you would maybe show a kind of an overlap. And I mean, it doesn't make sense the same way vanilla ice doesn't make sense. But hypothetically speaking, let's say all of a sudden there was a group in Iran that did this. Right. These groups that came from Ukraine are in Iran suddenly. Well, you can clearly see how Israel would use that as a justification to go in there or attack it or take action against it. That's how that works. Now, Iran's a bad example, but you can see how that would work. But how can a Jew be a Nazi? It says, you see, that's the framing because the point is, it's not about Nazis. It's about white supremacy, or you could just call it neo-Nazi if you want, which is just a kind of a, a tying into that idea, but it's not about the political party or World War II. It's simply about people being racist, white supremacists that believe in one superior race over another, which is exactly what Zionism in you in Israel is. That's the, what they're openly doing. And they say that out loud on the record. Netanyahu said this is the state for the Jewish people alone. In contrast to somebody who said this is the state for everybody. He said, no, no, it's for the Jewish people alone. He was very clear about that. How is that anything but that? Three of Zelensky's grandfather, br- grandfather's brothers were killed in the Holocaust, and Zelensky has been outspoken about his Jewish identity. What does that have anything to do with what we're currently talking about? You see, they're trying to ca- couch this behind a topic they don't you think that we're afraid to talk about. And those things have nothing to do with this. Jewish or not, he is the leader of this government that is absolutely allowing this thing to grow, which we just proved to you. So this is simply a way to scare you away from the conversation. Ukraine was quick to throw the Nazi label back at Putin. See what I mean? That's what's supposed to happen. No, you are. You're the Nazi. And then trying to lay the groundwork for why he was the secret Nazi the whole time. And maybe, maybe even that Putin's the one that drew, that grew the Azabata. You see, this is all framing a network. It can go however they want it to. 25th, why the Kremlin keeps bizarrely insisting Ukraine is run by Nazis. Why? Because it is. Because I just proved it to you. But this is the mainstream media. Now, here is what the Russian side of it is saying. 
Oh, excuse me. Never mind. We already talked about this. I already read it to you. This is simply the point saying that this is, I wanted to make sure we saw this is what they actually are. They would shoot your own people in the back. That's in regard to the people, the defectors that were shot as they tried to run away and they didn't get them, but they claim they killed them because they didn't want to look bad, right? Now, on a few last points here, as we get close to three hours, Craig Murray had some really excellent points. And this is in regard to the possibility that this is more of a manipulation, or at least in part. Which I always argue does not then inherently mean that the U.S. and Russia aren't actually at odds. You can be aligned on larger things, but still, you know, screw each other over. I mean, the U.S. government does that and has that in spades, making deals and then breaking them three seconds later. But in this case, you can see that there could be some larger coordination while they're still attacking and fighting and even screwing each other over within this argument. But it says, as Craig Murray points out, a strange truth. Russia, right now, in the midst of all of this, continues to send gas to Western Europe, mostly to NATO countries. Isn't that interesting? And increased supply. In fact, increased its supply since the invasion started. How do you explain that? Much of it still transits Ukraine. So they are literally continuing to give. And so you could argue this. Oh, let me finish it. Russia and Ukrainian managers and technicians still cooperate 24 hours. Russia is still paying transit fees. So only one of two things you could look at here, in my opinion. Either this is an indication that Putin is not the villain they make him out to be. And he's, he's continuing this stuff because he doesn't want to disrupt these people's, the flow of the civilians which, who are using this stuff and the, the flow of the country that he's pushing into, which would be the opposite of what they would frame it as. Or you, this would indicate some larger coordination. And it's the more theater, not the Donbass situation, but the fact that the, the blowing up between Russia and, and the United States theater. Possible. I don't really think that's what it is, but I could be wrong. It's interesting, though, because that does not make sense. Another point by Craig, and this is what I think is happening right now. The right like to fantasize a mighty Russia, Russian war machine, a mighty Russian war machine because it justifies enormous defense spending. Right? We all see that. The left likes to fantasize a mighty Russian war machine because it balances the power of the West. That's their narrative. The reality, though, Russian defense spending is 8% of NATO even at PPE exchange rates. The point is, guys, I've shown you this a million times. I've, I haven't brought it up in a long time, but the, the spending ratio is out of control. It used to be something like 10 times any every other country combined. It's way past that now. If we are pretending that they're the threat while the US government spends more than everybody else combined on military war, then we are just lying to ourselves about everything. But as he also points out, this is Alison Johnstone Official account of the presiding officer of Scotland Parliament. Guess what? She says the Scottish Parliament stands with Ukraine and flies their flag. And as Craig points out, flying the Ukrainian flag next to the flag of our own invader and occupier. Zero sense of irony. I mean, like, it's just pathetic. Scotland, these different locations we're talking, these are all of these powers, empirical powers that are occupying country. And now it's bad because Russia, I mean, even if it is Russia just occupying territory, it's the exact same thing this government and all of them are doing their entire history. But because they don't like Russia, now it's a bad guy thing. And even then you should ask whether that's not actually what's happening. That there, maybe there is more narrative around what Putin might be doing and protecting and so on. At least asking the question. Now, as I said with Whitney's discussion, we just had, Whitney and I just had a great interview about this two days ago. If, you, if, if you're questioning whether there is theater going on here, and you should be asking that, 
look no further than Sean Penn arriving in Ukraine in the middle of a budding war, apparently, to film a documentary on the ongoing invasion. Because that totally makes sense, right? It's very common for actors to jump to and be allowed into national security locations in the middle of a budding war where they're, I mean, come on, for crying out loud. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And really, it just comes down to the fact that it's like, what? so now we have actual docu- actual film crews and actual actors on the ground? Gee, I mean, come on. And we're, and we're going to believe that CIA Penn here is really going to be the one that's going to document this accurately, and they're going to be taken to the right locations? I mean, come on. At least people like Eva Bartlett and Vanessa Bealey go for, you know, at, they don't get in, in set where, they're, where they can. I would argue like North Korea was an issue where it's not possible. But where they can, they go around and, and just don't go carried around by Assad tourists or, you know, people that are tied to the government, right? What looked at their work as much as they try to frame them that way. These are the kind of people like Vanessa, like Eva, that are going around and talking to civilians, going around to multiple locations on all sides of it and getting a full picture. And that's why they try to attack them so much because they're honest. But Putin puts nuclear deterrent forces on high alert. That's where we are as of today and yesterday. Amid spiraling tensions over Ukraine, right? So the point is that this was spun as nuclear threat. Now, don't forget, what what did Biden say? I think I have this I can still find real quick. Right there. Remember what Biden said? And this is before anything happened. February 15th. Well, other than U.S. movements, right? U.S. drills, moving F-16s, blustering about action as Russia does nothing but move inside its own borders. All of that for three months yelling about invasions, yelling about attacks and false flags and calling us out as they stood inside their own borders. Easy to prove. And what did you, what did Biden say? If Russia does something as they haven't done anything, we're going to have a bloody destructive war. Yeah. Cause that's not provocative. That's not bellicose. I mean, come on, that's crazy. If, if Putin said anything even remotely like that, and don't miss that that's a direct quote, you know how that would be framed. That would make, I mean, good God, that would be crazy. It would be framed exactly like you might expect. So when Putin stands up and talks about the idea that he is discussing his nuclear deterrence and raising the threat level, you could consider that as being an overt potential nuclear threat. You should. It's possible. It's one of the two possibilities. Or it could be that he's responding to aggressive actions on the other side. Now, why one would make sense if the U.S. said it and it wouldn't for the other is just childish because we have to see how clearly it's just a choice to take one at face value and not the other. Now, here is some of the discussion of what Putin's talking about. Boris Johnson News is Putin could ban BBC, and this is in regard to banning banning RT as Ofcom probes RT and trust unveils fresh sanctions. Britain's media regulator, Ofcom, has announced 15 separate investigations into the impartiality of RT. Really? Now, I'm in no way suggesting RT got, doesn't have its own influence, but our, think about how embarrassing it is to pretend that all of our mainstream media are not in wildly... We have things like the Smith-Munt Moderation Act on the record, which verbatim says that they... I shouldn't say verbatim, you know, paraphrasing what it says says that they can lie to you in the news if they feel it's for national security. That's on the record. I've done entire shows on this multiple times. This, the the Smith-Munt Act was, I think, 40-something, 30-something, long time ago. And it put into law that your government is not allowed to propagandize you. The Smith-Munt Modernization Act changed that. 
as always, Patriot Act, whatever, Modernization Act, they make it sound like it's good for you. All they did was revoke that. They, tur- they turned it so they can propagandize you if it's for national security, which means literally all of this. Maybe all the fake things from Ukraine could have been done because they claim national security. They're allowed to propagandize you, but we pretend that doesn't matter and they're still not, they're still totally not state-backed propaganda. But now there's RT we have to investigate. Foreign Secretary Liz Truss warned that a complete ban on Russian news channels in the UK could lead to a reciprocal ban by Moscow on the BBC channels, which seems to be almost happening. She said there was a careful judgment to be made. Ms. Truss today revealed plans to extend UK sanctions aimed at hitting banks in Russia as she vowed to cut off Putin's government from global economy. Now, we're going to get into it in a minute. The wildly overshot response here to the fact that Putin's doing what he's doing. Just like trying to cut him off from everything, excommunicate. Did that happen when the U.S. government invaded Iraq? Did it happen when the U.S. government invaded Afghanistan? Did it happen when the U.S. government invaded Syria? Did it happen when the U.S. government did everything we've seen over and over throughout all these other countries and aggressive sanctions and invade over and over? Nope. Why? Because they said it was for freedom. Well, Putin's saying the same thing. Well, we know that U.S. lied about that. You can argue Putin's lying. He could be. That's certainly one of the possibilities. But why are we sitting back and going, well, one is one way and the other is the other? I mean, it's just, it's just insulting. If it's the same thing, then the world should have spoken up, which by the way, they should have, and taken collective international action against the U.S. government for violating the norms, for violating international law, for committing war crimes, for doing all the stuff that we just went over, where they literally continued to use white phosphorus, even though they knew it was against the law. This is not secret. Where were we here? So it goes on to say, new emergency legislation would allow full asset freeze on all Russian banks within days, she said. They want something to happen here, guys. Adding that she wanted to see the complete degradation of the Russian economy after the invasion of Ukraine. Think about what that's, okay, what would the complete degradation of the Russian economy do? Well, sure, it might affect the government, but guess who it affects more than anybody? The people of Russia. They know that. I mean, are we going to pretend like the destroying of the economy didn't hurt you in this country? Well, obviously it did. Star people everywhere. Breadline. People lost their careers, lost their businesses. But yeah, no big deal. We're going to just destroy the entire Russian economy because Russia, bad guy that we can't prove, right? They, this is aimed at the people. Why was, why was, that's a, that's economic terrorism. Now it says the Kremlin spokesman today claimed that comments made yesterday by mistrust over the potential for clash between Russia and NATO were behind Mr. Putin's orders to place nuclear forces on high alert. Okay, so the fact that he places them on high alert in response to what, it's what he said anyway, response to what they're doing, they then pointed that and then build this entire narrative based on, again, what they say his actions mean. And don't, without a hint of irony, apply the same logic to anything the U.S. government's ever done. Now, here is what he's saying. You should question both of them. Why Putin put nuke forces on high alert and liberation of Donbass continues. Now, you won't hear any of this in what they said over there, even though this is what he said. Why wouldn't they not at least give you his side of the narrative? Because they're trying to control the narrative. If they were actually honest, they would just give you both sides and let you think for yourself. Russian President Vladimir Putin has ordered to put the strategic nuclear forces on special alert, justifying the decision by the West's unfriendly economic action. So their sanctions, at the very least, are in part what he's pointing at and saying that's why. They're building some kind of action. We all know, as we've seen throughout history, that economic actions, as even storm cloud gatherings told you, build to real war. 
He says, as well as the aggressive rhetoric against Moscow. So they're standing here, everyone in the media, everyone in the pol- political scheme, everyone, any conversation you have right now, especially from the congressmen and women are aggressive. They're belligerent rhetoric right now about how we have to take serious action to, you know, destroy them, overthrow them, invade them, take back. Why would that not be alarming to government hearing that all be discussed? It would in reverse too, wouldn't it? So he is putting his nuclear forces on high alert because these claims a threat. Now he could be lying, but that seems like a pretty rational thing to say. Quote, most likely we are talking about bringing the control system of nuclear forces into a state that makes deterrence forces more stable in the event of attack. Wow, what a belligerent action. Yes, he could be lying, but I, I, how do you know otherwise? Is there proof? No, because they we're talking about intention. It's a, it's a switch or whatever we're talking about. It's an action taken. Then they tell you what the narrative around it is. Here's what he means. Why would you trust them? Even if, he might, even if they could be true, why would you trust them? They lied about Russiagate. They lied about damn near everything else. The president's order sought, quote, as the uh, senior research fellow from the Academy of Strategic Missile Forces said, not to escalate the conflict with the West, but on the contrary, to prevent its aggression. Now that I don't even believe. That's what they always, always say. And every sentence, oh, the drills are just drills. No, we did that just to prevent it. But it's really, an, it's a provocative action. But if it's a provocative action taken in response to provocative action, there's a little bit of a difference there. But I argue all of these are provocative. Lada believes that through this direct decision, Putin warned the U.S. and NATO once again that meddling in the military conflict in favor of Ukraine was inadmissible. Therefore, Putin is sending them another message. We are carrying out a special operation. Do not meddle in this because we are ready to take the size of that measures. At present, it is a necessary and reasonable decision. This will cool, this will cool any hotheads on either side, on the other side. Same, same counterbalance as always. We're carrying, he's basically telling you, do not meddle in this. We're carrying out a special operation. He sees this as, I mean, it is. This is in his sphere of influence. This is on his border. So if it was in reverse, and we're talking about Cuba, let's say, again, and there was a problem there, and the U.S. government was pushing into Cuba, exactly like this. And they said it was because they were bombing or attacking or whatever else. And they were driving in there because they, and they, and they said, Russia, you stay out of this. This is our problem. You're not over, you're on the other side of the world. You know, that's exactly how they would do that. And honestly, Russia would probably stay out of it because that's what they've seemed to do with other places other than Syria. But in this case, in reverse, you can see how the logic at the very least is there other than Russia, bad guy, therefore it's different if you believe he's telling the truth. Now it says, therefore, Putin is sending another message. Oh, I, I just read that. Okay, so that's what he's saying. Oh, and then <laughs> I just, I still can't believe this. I'm going to have to talk about this again in the COVID context. But as they're continuing to hype the threat of nuclear war, this Biden's government literally came out and said that if there's a nuclear fallout, to social distance and wear your masks. Right, because the mask that doesn't stop COVID-19 is going to stop nuclear fallout, right? Or the fact that social distancing will stop you from being killed by a bomb. Yeah, totally makes sense. This is, I mean, pretty laughable. It really is laughable. Now, going to the next part, and I will fall back on that, the actions being taken against them. This is pretty crazy. My point is, why wouldn't this be taken in reverse? You can claim it's unjustified. And you can look back and see that all the U.S. wars of aggression were unjustified, or at the very least led to them destroying the country, and yet none of this was taken. But here we are in the midst of this. It hasn't even panned out. Meanwhile, and, and while Russia's saying what we're doing, even if you think he's lying, even if you think Putin's lying, he's claiming it's for reasons that are good and freedom, just like the U.S. government does. And yet, 
everybody everywhere has come out like this. FIFA, FIFA, of all people, the soccer, soccer, the World Cup and everything suspends Russia from the World Cup. The UEFA throws teams out of European competition. Are you serious? I mean, these people are taking gigantic steps in the side of politics. I really want you to ask that question. Why in the world would it be any different from when they invaded Iraq, Afghanistan, or Syria? Did FIFA kick them out of the group then? It's just wildly one-sided. Here's the IIHF Council takes definitive action over Russia, Belarus. They're all doing this against them. Then that, by the way, that's hockey. Here is Canada closes airspace to Russia. Airplanes due to the invasion of Ukraine. Didn't do that with the U.S. Breaking. Meta, or Facebook, vice president of global affairs. Isn't that creepy? I mean, take a moment and wonder why Facebook has a vice president of global affairs. Because it's not just about a social media app anymore, guys. Says the platform will restrict access to RT, Sputnik, news across EU countries, says Sky. So you're going to censor media. Because they're doing that, right? They're bad guys censoring and and attacking. And so we're going to censor them because, right. So we're hypocrites is the point. But we don't want you hearing what they have to say. That's what authoritarians do. I want to see. I didn't even read what this says. Nah, it's probably some. Anyway, so going forward, I want to give a huge shout out to Odyssey. Continually showing you that they're on your side. As it says, they they because they're they're one of the larger platforms. This is we've been asked to remove RT from Odyssey. They said unequivocally, we don't care about politics, and being a platform means we have to be a platform. Whether it's CNN, Fox, RT, etc., it all has its place on Odyssey. Good for you. Now they're going to be attacked for that, but I'm sure they're ready for it because this is what it means to be a free speech platform. Now Putin has been apparently banned from visiting Australia, right? See, this is the crazy reality of like when Trump met with, uh, who was it? Was it a Russian? I think it was Russian. Yeah. When they flipped out about that. Oh no, was it North Korea? I think it was North Korea. And basically just said like, I can't believe he's meeting with the bad guys. It's like, gee, guys, that's, I mean, this shows you either the willfully dishonest nature of the media or how naive and childish they are. That's what you're supposed to do. Even with the bad guy. That's called politics. You're supposed to be able to have diplomatic meetings, even at wartime. But... <laughs> Apparently not today. Now you're banned from, we don't even talk to you anymore. There's, there, this is multi, this is the clear push into where they're going with all this. They're burning this all down, guys. U.S. Swiss impose new sanctions on Russia. U.S. expels Russians from the U.N. Like, this is ridiculous. The U.S. expels the Russians from the U.N. What are you talking? This is what, the U.N. has always been a place where it's not, it's constant. But apparently not now. You don't say what we think. We're going to kick you out of the international community. Right. That means that's clearly how you keep the conversation going, right? There's so much more going on here, guys. It's it's unbelievable to me. This is such an obviously ongoing manipulation. Oh, and this, this was that video where he's walking the streets with the people. It's embarrassing. Now, let's see. I want to make sure. Oh, that's right. I'll just have to open this further. So here's what's funny to me. Here's Zelensky, right? Here's what he just tweeted. Or right, he's what he said in the Kiev Independent tweeted. Zelensky said, a state that commits war crimes against civilians can't be a member of the UN Security Council. Well, that's not going to age well for you, bud. 
Such a state can't have access to all ports, canals, airports in the world. Okay, well, then why is the U.S. in there? Right? Why are you in there? Same group. Here's here's your government doing that, or rather different, same, the puppet regime doing that. We don't care about that, though. It's only the you guys do it, though. Right? Here it is, U.S., melting flesh off people, using it, still doing it. That's a war crime. That's a, that's a big deal. Nobody cares about that. Didn't you say, yeah, you did. You said commits war crimes. Well, that's a lie then. You get my point. Here's the Global Times. How U.S. evades responsibility for war crimes in Afghanistan. We all know this stuff, guys. It's very clear. How about, the, how about Israel, for crying out loud? We have Human Rights Watch and Baselum and all these different groups openly calling them not just an apartheid state, but an openly Jewish supremacy racist group. That is what all of the human rights groups of the world are calling them today. Because it's shifted for them in a bad way. But but Zelensky can, with no shame, stand up and make a statement like that? That's embarrassing. Here's the world of five major atrocities in U.S. military history. Who cares? Human Rights Watch. Israeli war crimes apparent in Gaza war. But only... It's just so stupid that they pretend like this makes sense. Zelensky is towing the line. Oh, how the U.S. hid an airstrike that killed dozens of civilians in Syria. Guys, this was just a very quick search. Like, literally just typed it in and picked the first few things that stood out of an endless stream of reports over the last 20, 30 years. Endless. Long, way longer than that, by the way. But And yet here's Zelensky unabashedly saying, no, you can't do that as they do it. We live in a fake world, guys. It's so clear. Here's Ukraine-Russia crisis. It says, who's sending military aid to Ukraine? Just make sure you understand who's arming and funding the openly white supremacist government. Belgium, Canada, Czech Republic, France, Germany, Greece, Portugal, Romania, Spain, Sweden, Netherlands, UK, US. Right. No agenda here, right? Clearly there's something going on. And as Zero Hedge says, and this, or rather that Russia's foreign ministry put out there, I find this very interesting. It's sort of a threat. He's, they say those supplying lethal weapons to Ukraine will bear responsibility should these weapons be used during Russia's military operation. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, finally, to finish up, here's where we are in the world. Russia and Ukraine say first talks have ended. This is today in the middle of the day. EU announces sanctions. <laughs> I just think this is the stupidest thing. So, okay, in the midst of talking, Russia and Ukraine are having discussions about the war. Peace talks is what they're called. And while that's happening, they're handing down sanctions on Russia. Why would you come to talks if you're being openly attacked while it's happening? It's the same thing that Iran says. Until you take sanctions off, we're not going to come to the table. You are, that, guys, these are acts of war. They've, they've manipulated people who don't understand this stuff over the last 10 years or 20 years or so to think they're not. But you, this is a definition thing. They are acts of war. It's economic warfare. It's what this is. And who does it hurt? Directly hurts the people. So they're hurting Russian civilians. The, in this case, Russian officials, but in most cases, broadly, they hurt civilians. The bottom line is they are casting attacks economically on Russia while they're speaking about peace. Yeah, clearly they want this to go well, right? EU blacklists 26 Russians, including Kremlin spokesman Peskov and one company. That's what's happening, right? They're sanctioning people left and right. As we told, they, as you said, as she said in the article, she wants to excommunicate them from the financial world. Don't forget, by the way, over the long period of time, they have been taking actions to sort of try to insulate themselves from the dollar. So I, I don't know how much this is really affecting them today, but it's to some degree it will for sure. Same thing from twenty eighth. 
Russia-Ukraine negotiations are over, sources say. Now, this gets in, this, it just, it's yet to be seen where this is going to go. You could have, this could imply that it's never going to, over as in it's not going to go anywhere. You can read it for yourself. But at the end of the day, is they, sources say this is now at a stop. We'll see where this goes tomorrow. Oh, I, this wasn't, I forgot to close that from before. That was that same clip I showed you. But to finish, I find this to be an interesting crossover into COVID-19. This is from the 25th. Guess what? They're telling you COVID stocks the battlefields of Ukraine. Really? Where is that coming from? Less than 35% of the country's population is fully vaccinated. Oh, isn't that make them an anti-vax country? Aren't they all terrorists? Well, guess what? They are, they are, they are white supremacists. Aren't you saying all the right-leaning people in this country are all the ones not vaccinated? <laughs> isn't that funny? I, I don't think that's why. It's just funny how even their own narrative seems to bled over to this. And they're going, whoa, whoa, don't look at it. <laughs> it's just kind of interesting how it seems like in every possible way, they've lost control. They, these Both these narratives were never meant to come together in real time. That's what I think. The COVID treatments will be harder to access in the middle of the war zone. They're basically just arguing that these people are overwhelmed with COVID during this. According to Johns Hopkins, there's new cases in Ukraine. I mean, it's just, I, how in the world could you possibly know this in the middle of a war, in the middle of conflict? I don't know. This seems like disgusting propaganda, but all they want you to do is don't forget about COVID though. It's still there. It's still there. It might come back later. But, but the point is, as this meme ends with, for those watching, for those on the podcast, Robin being smacked by Batman, that classic meme. And it says, I'm double masked. Robin is saying, I'm double masked. I just got my booster and he smacks him. It's pray for Ukraine this week. <laughs> I just love that. Basically saying, get in line, man. We're done with COVID. Now it's about fear mongering around Ukraine. Pray for Ukraine. Put a Ukraine flag in your, in your pick. Make sure you're clapping for Ukraine. Make sure you clap for Ukraine, right? That's where this is going, guys. It's always like this. Hopefully you're aware enough to see that this is still the same problem and that you're still the majority and they're still pretending that you're not. Hopefully people out there can see this by now, right? Hopefully we're realizing that you've always been the majority and all they do every time they do this is wrap some of them back into that, that false majority. It's an illusion. And look, I mean, it's that easy to show and we'll still be called fake news right there. It's immersed in the government. They know that. Now, whether Putin is doing this because of that reason or because he's taking advantage of that to drive in and take control of Ukraine, that's for you to decide. But what you need to understand is that your government is actively lying. The media around it is actively being dishonest and selling you things that are verifiably not true while continuing to fund, arm, and support a white supremacist government that I prove to you is absolutely the case right now. And 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 while building a war on you at home under a guy as they're fighting that threat can't miss the Syria crossover and how they did the same thing. And that led to where we are today. So hopefully we are standing, continuing to shout out, stand up, ask questions and, and push back against these narratives. Now I will, I'm going to, I'm not going to stop on either one of these discussions, and just regardless of whether people think COVID is over or whatever they're calling it. It's far from that. There's plenty more coming your way. I've got great interviews coming from Taylor Hudak again, upcoming with, Catherine Austin fits around where this is all going. It's the, the, the last thing you should think is this is going away. They put it on pause. So unless you remain vigilant, it's going to come back. And we, but it's just like everything else. We have to be able to look at more than one thing at once, guys. It's not just the one cat toy. It's all of their manipulation simultaneously. And hopefully we're getting to the point to where we can just recognize that it all seems to be centered on the same sort of direction today. But in any case, hopefully you're asking questions and just questioning everything. 
Never been more valid than today. Now, thank you for being here today. A little bit of a long show. Probably see you tomorrow. I'll do my best. I love you all, as always. Thank you for being here and questioning everything. (laughs) And question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.